It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender, and there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Be broken With our final breath We'll fight to the death We are soldiers We are soldiers
to thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Uh, tonight we have a special guest with us, and that's Susan Nielsen. And we will have her on uh, the show tonight to uh, talk about what she's working on with the Constitutional conservative.com and some of the other things uh, she's been working on. I believe we do have her on the line. So let's welcome Susan. Susan, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hello, how are you? Hello, Susan? Yes. What happened? Hello, Hello? is this Susan? Yes, Hello, is this Susan? Hi, yes. Susan. It's uh, Thank you very, very, very much for coming to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Robert? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I appreciate uh, you coming on uh, to the show tonight, and uh, we finally get the chance to talk. <laughs> yes, I know. We've been emailing a bit here. I thank you for the opportunity oh, yes. of coming on your show. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And so let's go ahead and start off. Uh, by saying what got you into the liberty movement and what is pretty much the motivating force uh, behind your work? Well, I can pinpoint the exact day. Uh, It was um, March 13th on a Friday, Friday the 13th. I happened to tune in to uh, a Glenn Beck uh, airing, and he was introducing the 912 project at that time. And I watched him describe what was happening to America, and I cried with him. And that that video still remains on my website. Um, he 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 was trying to get together people to bring us back to the day when when the day after when when Americans were banded together. We were no race. We were no color. We were no religion. Everyone was flying fa- flags, and everyone was a patriot. And we were getting acquainted with our neighbors again. Okay, that's, from my understanding, that's what kind of brought up about the 912communicate.com that you uh, started? Yes, it did. Yes, that's how that website started. Um, the on, on Glenn Beck's original 912 Project website, there were over 600,000 people that hit the website the first day it opened. And there were three or four different forums, but it it became very hard to communicate with that many people. So by offering a spinoff, a smaller uh, website and a smaller forum, um, I was able to get the code from Glenn Beck's administration. And in offering it, I think people came to the smaller sites to feel more like, uh, you know, not such a small fish in a big pond where their voices actually could be heard. Okay, so it kind of was uh, facilitating for folks to be able to, you know, get, you know, what their thoughts and, you know, what their motivations were. Yeah, because, well, it was back in '09, so we weren't aware of what was lying ahead of us at that time. Uh, there was a great mm-hmm. deal of concern, um, but, you know, we certainly have come a long way. <laughs> Well, yeah, a long way for good or ill, depending on what uh, which one we're talking about, right? Exactly, exactly. We've got problems, big problems. Yeah. Now, with uh, 
Go ahead. Well, which brought me no, to um, develop the website into uh, the Constitutional Conservative. We changed the name. Um, we found it more fitting after a time that we basically we have a, a people from all parties on my site, um, but we do have one thing in common, and that is saving our Constitution and you know keeping the freedom that we do have and figuring out ways to go about um, getting the apathetic person down the street interested in what's mm -hmm. going on today. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we hear, you know, a lot, and I, and I hope it's true, you know, that people are starting to wake up, and that might be so, uh, perhaps not waking up into the amounts that we really need them to. Uh, I do think that there's still a lot, too much, of course, uh, but a lot of apathy out there. I mean, you know, I have conversations almost daily with folks, and I hear all the time, oh, well, we you know what I do, you know, it doesn't matter. What I say doesn't matter. What I think the things are going to carry on. Uh, the way that the powers that be, you know, want it to. I'm just going to try to, you know, live my own life, do my own thing, you know, you know live for my own, uh, you know, work for my own and not worry about the, everything else and just t take care of, you know, their circle that they're in. They're not really, you know, kind of not really get involved because they feel like it really doesn't matter. No, they're they're very apathetic, and that, what you say, is exactly true. Um, I feel that, you know, people over the years have just simply become little islands and it's all for me, me, me. And, I mean, they don't care about their children even. It's It's gotten so out of hand. I, I think it's been going on for a very long time. I think that over many, many years the elites have been pushing a program and implementing something akin to communism hidden behind a utopian curtain of socialism for many years. I believe that through, you know, the push of enough propaganda through the liberal-owned media, they are overwhelming the minds of the people. Yeah, and, I, and we talk about this, uh, you know, many times in the show where it's it's always something thrown at us, always something thrown at us. There's always some yeah. kind of crisis. There's always kind of something to keep our minds occupied, always something out there to keep it divided, whether they're dividing us according to uh, sex or race or religion or sexual preference or orientation or you know, whether, you know, we'll want to be married to one person or two pe people or whatever, or, or on ideological lines, whether you're, you know, well, I don't know about that. Um, just <laughs> last week we had the uh, Mark Hankel on, who was the national uh, polygamy advocate. And uh, if you haven't heard the show, uh, folks, you might be uh, surprised on the uh, the perspective that he brought. Uh, he wasn't a liberal. He wasn't a Mormon. uh and it wasn't from Utah, he says, but he actually came at it in a uh, small government uh, conservative perspective. It was very interesting having him on. It was qu uh, quite surprising uh, to hear that. And so it was very interesting. Well, so, I mean, all of our shows are podcasts, so folks uh, so can listen to that. But, you know, but what I'm saying, and there, you know, and speaking of ideological lines, you know, Republican, Democrat, conservative, uh, liberal, uh, go ahead, uh, Susie. Or Susan. I got a friend, Susie. That's what I thought I got. <laughs> oh, Susie's fine. That's fine. But, yes, but you were going to say, I, and then I continued on, <laughs> about uh, the divisions that they're, they're breaking us up into. 
Well, they are. There's very much so. Um, I had occasion to run across some videos early on in, in 2009. There was a man by the name of Yuri Brezhnev, Brezhnev, who was an ex-KGB officer who was giving a series of lectures across the United States in about 84. And he was describing a four-part plan for the takeover of America. And what it encompassed was uh, 20 to 25 years of demoralization, which we've absolutely had, uh, five-plus years of destabilization, which I think we're in, and followed by a six-plus-week crisis, which we all feel is coming, and that the solution would be them raising a flag at us and bringing in full-on communism or socialism. The, um, the Communist Party actually sued the Democratic Party for following, for stealing its um, program, for stealing the pillars. <laughs> I, was, I was blown away by that. I, just, I can't believe that they, they, you know, communists are suing the Democrats for using their plan. <laughs> Well, incredible. And, and, and lately, you know, when, when you look at uh, what the House and Senate, which are supposedly uh, controlled by the Republicans, and how they're kind of falling sway to, uh, you know, pretty much a lot of what, you know, Obama wants. I mean, I don't see where the Republicans, at least of right now, are doing much uh, different except, you know, through lip service uh, than what Obama wants. That they're supposed to be the party of opposition and now they're supposed to be the party in power. Uh, but if you see what they're still letting get by, and what Obama is getting away with, uh, I don't see the Republican Party's really making a difference where, where they're no, they making are. a difference between themselves and the Democrats. No, we. I think we voted in. We we were blindsided, and we voted in a bunch of rhinos. And I think the party lines are so uh, faded at this time. Um, Personally, I, I, I look, listen to some Republicans online, and I have to actually look them up to find out if they're talking to a Democrat or if I'm listening to a Republican. I mean, it, it, they're so um, – I wonder if actually if our Senate is afraid at some times. I actually wonder, you know, are these people afraid of saying what they want and doing what's right for the people? Uh, I don't know. I think that um, they get in their spot, they're comfortable, uh, and they don't want anything to rock the boat. As long as they make the appearances, because let's be honest, a lot of fo- a lot of folks don't follow politics uh, the way that we do. A lot of them are just R's because they've always been an R, or their family's been an R uh, all their life, or they're a Democrat you know, because they've been a D all their life. And so while they hear the lip service that's going on, the supposed opposition that's going on, uh, but then with, they don't, you know, take the time to, you know, study, as, as obviously you have, on what they're really doing, then, no. you know, they're like, oh, well, yep, they're, they're doing it. And then, and, and that's one reason, too, and I think that's tied to the apathy. Three is that, of course, you know, we're so busy now that, I mean, real, and I think this is by design, so that we can't really pay attention as much as we uh, been able to maybe in the past and 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 should be and that's gonna be part of a question I have for you later. Uh, so I, I definitely think it's by design and because they're becoming more like statists than they are and and maybe even an oligarchy as it were uh, yes. than our supposed representatives. Yes, I, I believe that's true. I I believe that you know we're we're just bombarded with so much that it's confusing 
for the normal everyday person to figure out what can they do. They feel helpless when, you know, supposedly, uh, you know, we're writing letters and we're making our calls and we're having marches and we're doing all these things and we see no change. We see, we see nothing happening from our efforts. And speaking of the marches, it's, you know, I mean, I actually see more protests, uh, the marches these days. But with the, with the marches, I mean, you know, we've seen, you know, when the Tea Party was at its height, at least what I believe is at its height, um, and, right. and, and perhaps we, we thought they were making a difference until we found out that those people like Nikki Haley were really uh, rhinos in uh, conservative clothing. You know, but it, it seems like they they, they don't end mass, or they're not as, you know, there's not as many of them out there, and a big part of it be like, look, we're marching, and what are we actually accomplishing? Let's go ahead. And as you know, as conservatives do, we're like, well, we'll just we'll just take care of our own then, uh, and we'll just yeah. you know ro- roll with the punches and and just you know make it work. Uh, you know, accept how things are, and make make things work on our end. Um, I think conservatives, a lot of conservatives, um, you know, are guilty of that uh, just because uh, of our natures. You know, of making you know of, of making things work. Right. We do not rally the way Democrats do, that's for sure. I have tried many times to rally, you know, get get several of these smaller uh, conservative websites to rally around a project. Um, mm-hmm. I've always done these mass mailing projects, which at first were, were quite successful. Um, but they, you know... Now it's like, how many letters can you send, and are they are they reading them, and are they paying any attention? And unfortunately, I have to say, whether they are or not, the people have lost interest, you know, in participating. Well, like Dan Gray, one of our panelists, uh, which I'm hoping we hear uh, from tonight, is uh, that it's like hurting, you know, he puts it, sometimes it's like hurting, hurting cats. cats. It is hurting cats. It always has been. Um and why do you think that is? I, I, I don't – well, one reason, uh, one big reason I've always said for the websites is because we're each fighting to keep our own little sites alive. You know, the big boys that came in, you know, Tea Party Nation, Tea Party Patriots, all these, um, all these bigger boys that came in um, have garnered the market on the people, yet – they 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 don't have actions. They don't promote uh, things for people to do. They've just become big forums, and if you go on, there it's full of disagreements. People, you know, having arguments on in their forums, and it's kind of crazy. And then people who want to help, they continue and they look for smaller sites like my own. Um, I have rallied two or three sites at a time, but I think it's ego. The the um, the good old ego. We don't want to give up. You know, like if it, if it was for a good cause, I'd give up my name of my site for someone else. Let them have the name. Let them run the power. I don't care if we can manage to accomplish something. But a lot of, a lot and of that's good. Yeah. And that's why you may notice that uh, now you know I am the the uh, host of the show. I've been founder of the show as well. Um, in a lot of ways to producer too. Uh, right. But as you notice, it's, it's you know, like a lot of talk shows. It's not the, you know, the Robert Jetter show, uh, you know, like, the, you know, the others that are named after the, the host. I purposely, you know, didn't do that because it, it, the brand, you know, Bard's logic is, hey, let's, you know, deal with these situations, you know, 
push emotion aside, which I know isn't always easy, but you try to use reason in order to, you know, confront and solve, you know, the, the problems of the country. Uh, and what we have here is that kind of the brand of the show is, you know, we call it the grassroots, we, the people show, because it's about what the grassroots wants. We have a lot of grassroots activists on the show. I mean, we do have you know, some politicians and we also have people campaigning and things of that nature. We had uh, actually recently, well, we have people, you know, running for governor uh, for Kentucky, and he was running against uh, and I'm having a, a Matt Bevin. We had Matt Bevin on not that long ago. Uh, now, as you may know, he was running against. Uh, oh gosh, I'm having such a brain freeze <laughs> today. I got his picture in my mind. Senate Majority Leader, <laughs> and uh, and then of course he lost he lost that, and then uh, he's now running for governor of Kentucky, and we'll, we'll get some updates on that. Uh, Mitch McConnell, there we go. He was running against Mitch McConnell uh, for the Republican primary, and boy, I tell you what, I think the Senate would look a little bit different now if uh, yeah. Matt Bevin would have ran against him and beat him in the primary. And then I think yeah. ultimately he would have taken his Senate seat as well. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately the Republican machine, uh, you know, made that not happen. So, Right. And so many are career politicians. They're, you know, they've completely lost touch with the people. You know, they're, they, they were born into a more elite uh, atmosphere to begin with, uh, and they followed in someone's footsteps, and they became a, another politician in the family, and they they they're completely out of touch with the people. So you know, these the, all sure. they care about is their career, the career, their name, their power. Um, I don't care who you are, if you make it up to being president, you owe somebody. And Unless, I think that's what's going on about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, but who knows? Maybe he ends. Maybe he is actually the one person we need to be president. As odd as that sounds, um, yeah. Who knows? From my understanding, he's 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 high up in the polls. He's saying what America wants to hear and what we won't say. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's definitely got. He's definitely got the guts to to say it, and and he's able to do that. Uh, because right. as you said, he don't know anybody and you, and you kind of point, you kind of uh, alluded to that earlier in our conversation is that, you know, maybe these politicians, maybe these, uh, you know, the ones in the house and Senate, and you mentioned the Senate specifically, and perhaps Mitch McConnell and John Boehner in the house are examples of this, that, you know, perhaps someone's got something over their head. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're right. When you get that, you got when you get that far. No, I don't know. I have no proof. Let me make that disclaimer. No, but it's just odd right. that you're, you know, you kowtow, you know, you make it look like you're against, but then you kowtow, and then you get people like Ted Cruz, and they blast on them. Go ahead. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Boehner, I, I think he he needs to take a crying towel and go home. Um, mm-hmm. I I uh, I don't. He hasn't got any strength behind him. I think men in Washington drink too much soy milk, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but they they have no um, hootspah. They you know he 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 cries at the drop of a hat. He he flip flops around. Um, mm-hmm. He's not a leader. I don't know how he ended up being a leader again. It's uh, I mean it's just, and then on the other hand you've got Pelosi who's the wicked witch of the West and. You know, she flies mm-hmm. around on a broom, and what the hell is she? Who is she blackmailing? What is this? What what power do they have? 
crazy. Yeah, well, I think, you know, Boehner. And then we actually, when, well, I think it was Mark Willis, we had him on the show as well, uh, who was running against uh, Boehner for the leadership of the party. We, I mean, we see, of course, how that ends up. But, I mean, I, I mean that's why, you know, we, we really need some, some grassroots people who haven't been politicians for so long. I mean, personally, uh, I know back in 2012, uh, we had uh, Virgil Goode on the show, and he was uh, running for president for the Constitution Party. And one of the things he was touting for was to have term limits. And boy, I tell you what, I mean, frankly, to be honest, I, I voted for the guy, uh, yeah. you know, for president here in Ohio. And I think that's a great idea. I think we should have term limits. And I think, you know, yeah. the same should go with the Supreme Court. I think the Supreme Court justices oh. are getting so out of hand. I don't think they should have lifetime appointments either. No, I think that's absolutely wrong. I think we need term limits, especially before Mr. Obama decides to take his little pen up and take do away with term limits. I was I was afraid there for a while that he might decide on some crazy executive order there because uh, <laughs> it was alluding to that, you know, and there were a lot of rumors. That's the problem, and, and that's another problem with conservatives. We hear the rumors. The rumors grow, and they become, you know, they're conspiracy theory. I spend half of my time trying to vet the information that's coming out altogether, trying to determine what's conspiracy theory and what's real. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that type of thing. Uh, you know, and and bad leadership. So I I don't know which way. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. It's just every day is crazy. Every day. And, you know, and sometimes I think as you know, we we said earlier that is, uh, you know, you know it's just by design. Now with the constitutionalconservative.com, and uh, you mentioned the website. Uh, what does the website offer to the visitors? Well, when you when you first come on, I think that most people will uh, see that there's a lot of member participation. Um, I strive from I don't want to be the one writing articles and sending them out. I, I do write articles, and I do participate on the site. But I originally wanted a member-run site, um, helping to promote the members' ideas and the and the people. Uh, who you know, uh, new members that come in, make them feel comfortable. Um, I do not allow personal attacks, which that you'll find on a lot of the big websites. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, went through an attack, um, and they came on, and they purposely it was a, it was a purposeful attack on a well-respected member, and I had to, I don't like to ban people. I certainly believe in the First Amendment, but there is a point when it's being abused, uh, purposefully abused, um, just to cause a ruckus. Um, And that, to me, is also a sign that I'm doing something right. If somebody wants to come in and attempt to destroy what I'm doing, then I must be be doing something right. But I I hope that when people come on, they will also, if they take a look at just the tabs, there, there is a plethora of information on that site. From, from the survival pages to the extensive educational, constitutional education pages, uh, offering um, self-paced courses on the Constitution and peer-led studies. Um, I promote Hillsdale College and the Heritage Foundation. I volunteer as a sentinel for the Heritage Foundation. Um, anything that we can find that's worthwhile to offer, 
I offer pre-written letters for people to use on most uh, current issues. Most people will send a letter, but they don't want to write them. There's a lot. We have flyers and flyers and brochures and you know things like that. Uh, Petitions. Um, Pretty successful petitions. Yeah, and one of the things actually, I told a friend of mine I was going to ask this, uh, and we're backtracking just a little bit, is you know, getting how what led up to you uh, becoming uh, the 2011 Freedom Works uh, Sons and Daughters of Liberty award winner. Um, that was a busy year. Um, we were, I was working with Freedom Works at the time. That was when. Um, Glenn Beck had sort of backed off of the 912 project and the and the march that came of that, um, but it was actually labeled as a Freedom Works march, um, mm-hmm. and it became ultimately the Tea Party uh, because the Tea Party was already there uh, on that date, and the Tea Party already had the permits for that march, so that was kind of a big confusing uh, time there, and we were also working on with state you know state it was it was time for elections and we were working uh very hard for Carly Fiorina here in California to replace Barbara Boxer which unfortunately mm-hmm. didn't happen um and we were being very successful with the um I call them the sna- snail mail stampedes because we use stamps because we're peeved and I <laughs> I did I, I did confirm with um several different senators' offices that a written letter, you know, a handwritten letter or, or a typed letter with a stamp on it that goes through the mail is actually, they believe, speaks for 100 people. So each letter you send, because you're taking the time to sit down and write it, and you're not sending an email, you're putting, you know, a little bit of money on a stamp and sending it in, that those are the first things that they do a pay that they do pay attention to when they come in. Um, I I got real in depth on how the mail was handled in Washington, and those letters are the ones that are seen first. Um, hmm. We also directed them at the state offices instead of at, to D.C. Uh, there for a while, D.C. wasn't letting mail through because of the anthrax scare, so it was right. around for eight weeks, and so. Uh, we directed them to the local offices in their in their states, and I did it during a time when they were on leave and they were at home doing work at home, and I believe that they were successful. Um, we had the pre-written letters, and I I put it out as uh, if you're willing to use a roll of stamps and send 20 letters a day. There were five letters on the current issues at that time. And uh, by the downloads, I, I believe we got out about 100,000 letters, which is still a drop in the bucket, but it was something at that time. And mm-hmm. um, it was a combination of several things that I was doing um, that we were... I, I was shocked when, when, the, when we received the award. So uh, in retrospect, we did work hard. My husband got out over well, 7,000 awesome. taxes, his own. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we did work for okay. it. Okay. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they just don't uh, arbitrarily just uh, just give those out. Now, part of the yeah, 100 uh, mission went out. One hundred of those. Words I'm sorry. One hundred of those words went out that year. Okay. Now is that something uh, annually or 
Is that what the job was just handed on 2011? I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, uh, When when you're working for these organizations and they find you doing things for them and you're you're, uh, putting backlinks out for them and, and reposting for them, um, then you're you're given sort of a contact person, and uh, suddenly my contact person disappeared, and and so I moved on to Heritage Foundation from from there. So I have no clue what happened there. Dan, you mentioned uh, Carlos Arreno earlier. I just want to make a note uh, uh, for anyone out there who's maybe had some contact with her. We we re- we did reach out to her campaign. Uh, we did uh, receive a reply. Uh, of course, she's. Uh, pretty busy as uh, you know all the ones who just uh, came in, and I'm, I am wondering, and in some ways I am hoping that there are at least one more uh, person out there who is going to uh, throw their hat in the ring. Uh, so and I hope to do them soon. I know the first debate I believe is August 6th. Now um, we'll see if uh, they do are able to uh, you know throw their hat in the ring. After that, uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, but I'm kind of hoping that we see at least one more person uh, join the like uh, the race. Who would, like hmm? Who would you like to see? Oh, I'd like to see Newt Gingrich put his hat back in the ring. Mm. Yeah, 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 that would be a good one. Yeah, I'd like to see. Well, he did, he did, he, you know, he did pretty well uh, in the campaign. I mean, he practically, you know, won all the debates that he was in. Um, yeah. You know, and unfortunately, you know, people could, I mean, we, we covered – uh, the 2012 primary, you know, quite extensively uh, here on the show. Actually, that's when the show show began was uh, with the 2012 uh, campaign and the primary, starting with the primary. We we, we did cover things extensively on that. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely like to see him throw things uh, back in. And there's uh, a number of, uh, like, Santorum, uh, I'm not, you know, he, he uh, threw his hat back in the ring. So, so. Hmm? He was okay. He was okay. Yeah, there was. I mean, there was a lot of good people. Um, I just think. I just think back way back then. I I think Obama had just he. It was bought and paid for, and it was. Um, you know, there was nothing we could do about it. I don't. I don't think. I mean, when you've got the what the company from Spain that is one of the biggest contributors to the to the uh, Obama campaign and they turn out to be the owners of the voting machines. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we can't see that right now. Right. Well, well, yeah, and that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And we, you know, there's some organizations uh, as well that are, you know, working on, uh, you know, working on that too, you know, because I, I think we should go back to the uh, paper ballots myself. And I mean, the hanging chad, so to speak. Uh, just as the, the electronic machines, they just can be manipulated too easily. Yes, they can. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, we've got to get a true vote. You know, I don't think we've had one in a while here. No, there's there's two. Uh, anybody can hack it to a computer. You know, can hack into right. something like that. And so we definitely want to. Yeah, you know, at least I would like to go back. Uh, go back to that. But folks, uh, do you see that it's uh, already at the bottom of the hour? And so we mentioned earlier in the show, the Patriot Journalist Network. So let's go ahead and take a few brief moments to hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots 
conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. Definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network and also uh, the Twitter team there at www.patriotjournalist.com. Or if you are a Twitter user, I'm sure you are familiar, especially if you're conservative, uh, I'm sure you are familiar with the PJNet hashtag on Twitter. And uh, do you do you use Twitter, uh, Susan? Oh, yes. We have a Twitter account, a Facebook account. Um, oh, yeah, we've got accounts. <laughs> We've got and, and so, I mean, so, so, as, well, so with, uh, you know, it being on Twitter, and I'm sure you've seen uh, the PJNet hashtag. It's, you know, oh, I mean, yes. it's, it's, gotten, it's grown pretty much. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The founder of uh, the Page Journalist Network, uh, Mark Prasic, he actually, we actually started out together in uh, 2012. Him and I spent many a, a late night during the campaign, uh, you know, trying to, uh, fight for candidates and things of that nature, and then just get getting the conservative word out during the campaign. That's when he started uh, the Patriot Journalist Network. Uh, so yeah, de- definitely try it out to get that website www.patriotjournalist.com, uh, and you know you'll see how you know just how much it's grown and some of the great things that uh, that they do. I was, it's I was definitely reading about uh, it on, on your site. I was reading about it on your site there. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's see here. You know, I don't know what the the, the calls are. I don't know if uh, I figured that I would hear some from some of the panelists this evening. I have yet to uh, see any of them chime in, uh, so I don't know if there's any kind of uh, technical things going on. It's very odd that I haven't seen anybody here. I'm just going into the top of this uh, first hour, uh, but we'll continue on. Hopefully, we'll be able to. Uh, get some on the back end. Now, part of the mission statement says you promote principled and conservative values through education and study. Uh, how do you go about this, or how does the site help to go about this? Well, we um, we spent a considerable amount of time with some of my top writers, some of my top contributors on the site, uh, who were extremely knowledgeable on the Constitution. Uh, several. Um, have gone on to um, writing anonymously for a few other websites. Um, but we we put together uh, different viewpoints, uh, one from a woman um, who happens to be gay and disabled, uh, one from a working man, a scholar in the Constitution. And we took... Uh, we Is that Kelly, down. our panelist? No. <laughs> Go ahead. No. That's what we call our that's what we call our panelist Kelly here, our constitutional <laughs> scholar. But uh sorry, go ahead. But they um she you know, they, they they went into each amendment um and tried to we tried to present um uh, more of a peer led uh more in the language that the common day person would understand. Um, the reasons for the founding fathers, the reason for, you know, um, different aspects, the the different um, uh, federalists' points of view, um, and we broke it all down. That that is there. Uh, we tried to do a lot of group 
studies, but unfortunately with so many different people's schedules um, to meet and different things, a lot of this ended up to be uh, self-led um, you know, you can just work at your own speed and go through the courses. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, we do, uh, we did a book study on uh, two thousand year leap, of course, and um, and on other other books. We've tried other books, um, but again, it's very difficult to get everybody to rally at the same time of day in the same place. So, uh, a lot of that turns into self study which has been has been successful because they can take this information, read it at their own time, you know, uh in their own speed. There was I have a, a library there of um um books that they can that are on that are on tape that they can just listen to. Um Heritage Foundation supplies a lot of those types of things. Um but but the the problems we ran into and all of this is that it, it's difficult, um, you know, as I say, people are in different time zones, they have jobs, they've got families, they want to be involved, mm-hmm. but and they want to be knowledgeable, um, but it takes time for them to gather the knowledge, because they don't, mm-hmm. they just don't have time to sit down and take a, you know, a 30-hour course, you know, they just can't do it, so... By offering it on the site for people to go at their own speed, um, we have weekly discussions, book discussions. Uh, the Constitution is online there. Um, we have tutorials. Um, we have some past studies, and of course the discussions that go on continually um, seem to provide a well-rounded experience um, for the for the common man. That you know, you just so you can understand what's being presented to you. So you get a better grasp. Mhm. Yeah, cuz not you know not not everybody uh you know you know has been doing this a long time. Uh you know they might be new to it and what would need these sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. And you know they they need the education. I mean, mm, if you yeah, talk certainly. to a common common person, they don't even understand the Fourth of July. I mean, there's this last two Fourth of Julys I've put, been involved in uh, community projects here, and you mm-hmm. know, people believe that that it had to do with the Constitution, and I'm like, no, it was you know the Declaration, the Declaration of Independence. That's what the Fourth of July is about. Their 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 yeah. lack of knowledge is. Uh, I was trying to explain to my daughter this morning that, you know, the statement when I say our forefathers died for that Constitution, that's a literal statement. They did die. Seventeen of them died in presenting the information. They lost their home. They lost everything. You know, one man's, I can't remember right off, his wife died in prison for two years. I mean, it was just, it was crazy times. And they mm-hmm. gave everything, they gave everything for the freedoms that we have today. And I hear people say, oh, it's an old, outdated document, let's just toss it out the window. I'm like, have you been to Mexico? Have you been to Bangkok? Have you been to China? You know, have you seen these places? Have you experienced a third world country? You know, um, no, no, it's not a dead document. And it's, it's, well, it's so many even say, uh, I'm sorry. 
it's scary that people's lack of knowledge is scary. Well, our guest for next week, uh, and if you can listen in, that'd be great. We have uh, Christina Timmons. Uh, she's she's very knowledgeable about the Constitution, and you know she's spoken in front of Congress uh, on a number of occasions. Things of that nature. She's going to be coming on next week uh, to tell us what she's been working on. One of her uh, expertise is uh, immigration. Uh, so what she really knows, uh, and this will be like the third time I think we've had her on. Uh, but she really knows she really knows her stuff, and so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, having her back on next week. And so, you know, speaking of, I think that was a good segue uh, to my next question: What do you think the founding fathers' vision and purpose of the Constitution, Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, and America as a nation and a world of nations? What do you think the the founding fathers' visions and purpose of those were? Well, I, I believe that the original the original um, purpose in in writing the Constitution was twofold. Um, I believe that they they felt the need to establish a federal government for the United States, and they needed to delegate to that federal government certain limited and enumerated powers. Um, the um, the writing of the Constitution um, became a way that they could declare to the people in writing why we should dos- disassociate ourselves from Great Britain and from the crown. It, um, you know, so there was a lot of people that still were clinging to the belief that, you know, King George III was, you know, the way it should be that we shouldn't we shouldn't leave that and i believe that they they um during the philadelphia convention um i believe that they wrote that for those main purposes following um the with the declaration of independence um i believe the basic purpose there was also uh to boldly state the reasons for separation from britain um, to to everyone, to our friends and our enemies, um, and to allow other nations to know that they could help us do this, and um, that it was a justified, morally justified cause. Um, you know, they they uh, again the colonists were not they they were not ready to rally at that point. And it, they really needed to have these documents presented to actually show um, the need for that separation and how we could be a more free society um, by using the, the freedoms granted by God and by nature. Um, today, I believe, um, uh, well, back back to that, the... Um, the Bill of Rights, um, I don't know. I, the most Federalists oppose the Bill of Rights. Um, it's, it's called, the, you know, they, they put the title on it, the, the Parchment Barrier, uh, because they, they felt that sometimes these papers were only going to be another parchment, another piece of parchment incapable of restraining those who would seek to violate the provisions, you know, and thus it would fail mm-hmm. to provide a security for the liberty. But it was... Um, you know they they did ultimately of course write the bill of rights um they had they had uh, 
quite a little thing on their hands to get that accomplished. And today, well, we've got. Uh, I believe our I believe our friend Ed is on uh, the line, and he's uh, our. We 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 definitely have a diversity of uh, of folks who are the panelists and callers in the show. Um, and I believe we've got the Ed on the line, and he's our anti-federalist of the group. So definitely make some comments on that if he's able to uh, hear that part of what you're talking about. But go ahead, continue. And then we'll be getting you on in a little bit. Go ahead. Okay. Um, me or? My, okay, no, you. I'll you. Continue. We'll, we'll okay, be bringing uh, that, that in shortly. Go ahead. No, fish, oh, the, question, okay. the answer to the question. Okay. No, go ahead. Thank you. Um, and today, I believe, um, I believe America's purpose uh, among the nations has always been to be an example of um, how to utilize God's given rights in, in the matter of human liberty, um, not only for America, but for the people everywhere. And the most important goal should be in our foreign policy um, to continue defending the, the independence of the United States and so that we can govern by our, according to our principles and the pursuit of our national interests. I don't believe that America should be the world's bank or the world's savior. Um, I think from the beginning, um, I think it was basically we, we sort of needed other nations to step in to help us to become uh, the world's freedom leader um, because they wanted what we have. Um, I, I just believe that, um, you know, this great experiment that we have um, is an example for all countries, for all people. And the, to di differentiate between God-given rights and uh, the rights of under under a tyrannical government. Well, Doug, let's go ahead. And I do have a couple more questions uh, still, but I do want to uh, before I open things up. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and bring Ed in. Ed, thank you very much. Come to the show. How are you tonight? All right. Uh, I like what she had to say. You know, it's. it's a beautiful thing because uh, the most important thing in our lives is the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is the essence of liberty. It was put in place on a national level during the ratification debates, but actually George Mason put an original Bill of Rights in three weeks before the Declaration of Independence that Jefferson drew heavily upon. Uh, but basically, the Bill of Rights was, eight, was 800 years old last month. Because the Bill of Rights was 800 years in the making through the Magna Carta and, and through common law. And it, it actually empowered the individual. So it, it brought about individual sovereignty and the right that God is first, family is second, and government is servant. And government needs to be limited. Of course, the, uh, the chains of the Constitution have kind of been ripped up by this... Uh, this creature from Philadelphia that moved on to uh, Washington D.C. You know, uh, you know the people that really insisted upon a bill of rights were the anti-federalists, and they never wanted the creature to be born in the first place. And the creature I'm talking about is what's in D.C. who were technically fighting, and the people who were technically fighting are in D.C. are the federalists, and they were big centralized, power-hungry monsters. And uh, Yates. 
uh, one of the best anti-federalists says, it's a, now a three-headed monster coming at us. That, that's uh, a vision that he had was so awful. It was, it was terrible. And, and, uh, and Patrick Henry says, uh, I see a day when this, this, uh, federal government without restraints will come into your houses and measure everything you eat, drink, and wear. And that monster wasn't even, you know, was still in its, uh, in, in its fetus stage. It wasn't even born yet when he was saying that. But it was shortly after that it did give birth to this beast that we're fighting. And the beast is in the federal government and it's the Republicans and the Democrats. It's a two-headed beast that we need to fight because these guys are bad and they're all about destroying the Bill of Rights and not protecting is our liberty that took 800 years to get here and put God first, family second, and government as servants. Excellent. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, we have quite a battle, um, and it's gone. To, it's gone so far. I, I, as a new patriot, basically a fairly new patriot, I'm, I'm not sure how much we can get back. I'm more concerned with retaining what we've still got. Well, the Bill of Rights is still here. It, the thing is that the people have to realize that they got to go out there and use it. I mean, you know, liberty wasn't there even when the you know when we were fighting if the anti-fellas was trying to stop the creature from being born. But even at that point, even the people who are fighting and stuff, there was still slavery and there was always a battle. So, you know, liberty has to always be a battle towards. I'm almost in my fifth decade of fighting this thing. I started in 1970 when Four Dead in Ohio happened. If you ever heard that song at Kent State. But, you know, I impeached King Nixon and get rid of those idiots. So I've been fighting this this big battle against these monsters. You know, it's a step on the of a song called The Monster. You know, America, where are you now? Yeah, don't you care about your son daughters? You know, but back in those days, when out of the streets in D.C. and in the streets throughout the country, there was a lot of political activism. It was really hard-hitting. I wish we could see those days again, man. I I experienced them, and it was pretty hard-hitting, you know. And I've gone to the people. Party rallies, and I've gone to many rallies because I was a street activist all my life. I'm, you know, 45 years into street activism, so I mean, I've fought almost every type of uh, bill of rights campaign you want to talk about. But um, basically, it's not an easy battle, but we got to get out there. we got to get in the streets. Uh, the Sons of Liberty did it, you know, when they, they tore down the houses of uh, King George's own governor, brick by brick, man. He freaked them guys right out. And then did the tea party and stuff. What we need to do is really, uh, I, you know, I'm looking for some app producers because I would like to see uh, PSA, sort of an opposite of an NSA, uh, the People's Security app, where we get out there. And, and we're doing it now to our, our smartphones and get your far, smartphones out there record every public servant from the police officers to the uh, council members to everybody else and say hey we know where you live we know what you're doing and we're watching you because we the people are sovereign and you work for us and you servants better do your jobs right right go ahead Susan and then I got a question for that because uh, there's a curiosity that's building up in me uh, go ahead, uh, Susan. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was just a question up for him. Go ahead. I, I was. Just if you have a response to, up, to that, go ahead. Okay. I, well, no. What I was going to bring up is why aren't we um, going to our states? 
to insist on some protection in our own sovereignty. I don't understand why we're not, are we so entrenched in the federal, in the federal money that we can't go to our states? I, as, like I say, as a, a fairly well, new, I mean, I'm only in this since 2009, but, but, no. and I don't understand. The states' rights are are that salvation, and there's a lot of states' rights going on right now. Um, Texas is just proposed on going back to the gold standard and using, uh, you know, uh, gold again for for their inter interchange, and that that's you know freedom of uh, economics there. There's also uh, six states that went and said, hey, you know what? The federal government says marijuana is illegal. No, we're thumbing our nose at you because the federal government marijuana is legal. Jefferson grew hemp, Washington grew hemp, and we're going to grow hemp. And we might change, you know, start trading in hemp and, and bypass your Federal Reserve note altogether. So there is a big movement of decentralization of power, and it's bringing back the anti-federalist vision of under the Articles of Confederation, which they wanted to stay under. Under the Articles of Confederation, there were turbulence. Under the Articles of Confederation, there wasn't much of a there was hardly any federal government at all. It was just, say, you know, when you go in there and, you know, and there's also nullification. If you want to read a good book, read a book, look up nullification and understand what Jefferson Madison finally, he got Madison away from the Federalists and made him an anti-Federalist. And, and Madison actually went from writing the Federalist papers to writing the nullification papers. So it was kind of a great vision in history. It's called the 98 Papers. It was written in uh, 1798. And, and two questions for you, uh, real quick. One, uh, was, was there any trouble? I thought I seen you in, in the, the liner. Was there any trouble getting in tonight? Uh, no, I, actually, my phone was having a little bit of problem with the power. I had to plug in a power cord. Okay, you can because I seen another person in, uh, and their call dropped uh, shortly after coming in. I heard them for a little bit, then they dropped. And then uh, also in the chat, I've seen some uh, ones come in in the chat. I mean, and then drop. But I do have a question for you, uh, Ed, and this is totally off topic. Uh, but you, your voice sounds very familiar to me. I mean, I know you've been on the show before. Have you ever made any uh, YouTube videos? YouTube videos? Um, I can't say that I've made any. But, you know, being a political activist all my life, and, you know, actually I, I broke in with the yippies. Um Back in you know seventy seventy one seventy two, and they're basically anarchists. Uh, and, and before I, this was before the Libertarian Party got big, and you know I, I worked a lot with the High Times Magazine and stuff. I'm I might be basically you know on some YouTube videos. You might have seen me on one or two that that I don't know about that exists. I really don't look at YouTube. Because I'm not really worried about the past. I'm more worried about the future. Uh, we need to actually get out there on the streets. We need to educate the populace. We need to take it straight forward. Um, you know, and, and I work with a lot of local libertarian-minded groups. I don't know if you're familiar with the National Liberty Alliance and uh, Coppenhall Grand Jury. And, of course, Fiji, the Fully Informed Jury Association. And I go on and on on lists of political active groups. But... Uh, you know, what we need is an educated populace that understands that liberty comes from the Bill of Rights. And straight out, I'm, I'm a Bill of Rights activist first. And I know the Bill of Rights like the back of my hand, man. Yes. Well, and, and, the re and the reason I ask is, for a while, you know, a while ago, I played uh, 
and I can't remember the context and why I, I, I played the audio. Um, and it's called You Can Hear a Pin Drop. It's the name of the audio. It's the name of the, uh, the YouTube. And, and maybe I'm mistaken, but the voice sounds a little bit like uh, this person. I'll play just a little bit of it and tell you why. And I'm, I'm hoping I'm not con- completely wrong with Just bear with me. It's only a, a six-minute clip, and we may not even yeah, play it all. Good day to you, America. For over 235 years, American men and women have served our country with great honor. From the Revolutionary War to the present day Iraq-Afghanistan War. This story is to honor all of those who have served America. For myself, I say thank you and God bless all of you. At a time when our president and other politicians tend to apologize for our country's prior actions, here is a refresher on how some of our former patriots handled negative comments about our country. In JFK's time, Secretary of State Dean Rust was in France in the early 1960s when de Gaulle decided to pull out of NATO. De Gaulle said he wanted all U.S. military out of France as soon as possible. Russ responded, does that include those who are buried here? De Gaulle did not respond. You could have heard a pen drop. When in England, at a fairly large conference, Colin Powell was asked by the Archbishop of Canterbury if our plans for Iraq were just an example of empire building by George Bush. He answered by saying, Over the years, the United States have sent many of its fine young men and women into Great Pearl to fight for freedom, well beyond our borders. The only amount of land we have ever asked for in return is enough to bury those who did not return home. You could have heard a pen drop. There was a conference in France where a large number of international engineers were taking part, including French and American. During the break, one of the French engineers came back into the room saying, have you heard the latest dumb stunt Bush has done? He sent an aircraft carrier to Indonesia to help tsunami victims. What does he intend to do? Bomb them? A Boeing engineer stood up and replied quietly, Our carriers have three hospitals on board that can treat several hundred people. They are nuclear powered and can supply electrical energy power to the shore facilities. They have three cafeterias with the capacity to feed 3,000 people three meals a day, and they can produce several thousand gallons of fresh water from seawater each day, and they carry a half dozen helicopters for use in transporting victims and injured to and from their flight decks. We have 11 such ships. How many does France have? You could have heard a pen drop. A U.S. Navy Admiral was attending a naval conference that included admirals from America, England, Canada, 
Australia, and a French naval admiral. They were at a cocktail reception. The American admiral found himself standing with a large group of officers that included personnel from most of those countries. Everyone was chatting away in English as they sipped their drinks. But a French admiral suddenly complained that whereas Europeans learn many languages, Americans learn only English. He then asked, why is it we always have to speak English at these conferences rather than speaking French? Without hesitation, the American admiral replied, maybe it is because the Brits, the Canadians, Aussies, and the Americans arranged it so you wouldn't have to speak German. You could have heard a pin drop. And this story fits right in with the above. Robert Whiting, an elderly gentleman of 83, he arrived in Paris by airplane. At French customs, he took a few minutes to locate his passport. It was in his carry-on. Sir, you have been in France before, Monsignor, the custom officer asked sarcastically. Mr. Whiting admitted that he had been in France previously. Then you should know enough to have your passport ready. The American said, the last time I was here, I did not have to show it. Impossible. Americans always have to show their passports upon arrival in France. The senior American said, he gave the Frenchman a long, hard look. Then he quietly explained, Well, when I came ashore at Omaha Beach on D-Day in 1944 to help liberate this country, I couldn't find a single Frenchman to show my passport to. You could have heard a pen drop. Now, I am a proud American, and I am extremely proud of the men and women who serve our country today, who have served our country. I say God bless you, your friends, and your family, and thank you for the service to our country, the United States of America. No, that's a great clip, folks. So I decided to go ahead and play all of it. But I do see there was a similarity there uh, between uh, that gentleman there and you, so I was just kind of curious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, the voices. Uh, I could, I could see where you see our patterns are pretty similar. And uh, you know, although he's more from the military aspect, I'm more from the hippie generation. But basically, we have the same vision. You know, what I mean, America is great because we are free, and we are free to think and be, you know, who we want to be because we had founding fathers that had deep convictions for liberty, and uh, they stood up and gave us the Bill of Rights. Even in the face of, uh, you know, that there was power, there was power brokering going on back then. And, uh, I think the, uh, Bill of Rights, you know, came out great. And, uh, we still, we're still in this battle because the triumvirate of American liberty is, you know, founded by our founding fathers. I think I mentioned it on your shows before. The triumvirate of American liberty is Bill of Rights, the Gospel of Christ, and the Ten Commandments. And, you know, America grew up on that, man. They grew up with that. They, they, you know, this country is forged with an axe, a musket, and a Bible. So it was hard work, a right to protect ourselves and our own guns, and the Bible. 
And, and you know, uh, along with that, we established the Bill of Rights, which no government ever will have again. And if we ever lose the Bill of Rights, we are in trouble because it is the, you know, or it is what's really protecting the whole world. Uh, it's a liberty or else everybody's going to be under Kim Jong-un or Castro's or whatever other stupid government you want out there. So, Tizzy, if you'd like to uh, make any yeah, comments on any of that. Um, I really enjoyed that. I had heard that um, once upon a time, I can't remember where or when, but I really enjoyed that. And quite a similarity in in Ned's voice there with that guy and, and uh, his speech patterns. Um, yeah, I'm trying to hope he's just like, oh, man, that'd be awesome to have him actually on the show. But thank you, Tizzy. <laughs> yeah, but the um, I, I believe that we're finding our way. I think we need a, a good, strong leader. Um, I'm not certain we have one uh, out there yet. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how the debates go. Um, as we both agreed, Trump just might shake him up. But I think, uh, and, and I believe that he would surround himself with the best advisors, so you know, and he's not a career politician. I don't, I don't know. Um, some, too many of them have other skeletons that I'm, I'm not happy with. Uh, Kasich was, he's, he's into Common Core, and he's into. Yeah, I know. That's one thing I'm not happy with. Mm-hmm. Oh, a common, common. He wants a, a comprehensive immigration fix. We need a complete overhaul in immigration. Um, I have a great guy who's all for just using the laws that are there, Michael Cutler. He writes for my um, organization. Um, you know, there's there's so many issues, um, and we we lose sight, and then and then before we know it, something's been passed, or he's signed an order, or he's done some kind of a declaration. Um, you know, something because we're not, we can't pay attention to everything. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to, you know, figure out what are the most important issues uh, at this time and go forward on those and get out in the street and spread the word. I, I, um, I buy, um, uh, the Constitution handbooks, the little pocket handbooks of the Constitution. And I hand mm-hmm. them out for free. And I mean, I, sometimes I approach a person with one, and they, you'd think I was holding a snake in my hand. The people are so apathetic. What other word? Um, I really don't. I don't know. Maybe jaded, cynical. <laughs> cynical, yes, cynical. Um, I, I think that uh, a lot of times uh, conservatives have cried woof too many times on some issues, like this Jade Helm issue that's floating around right now. Um, you know, so many of these things that are borderline conspiracy theory, although some conspiracy theory is truth, but you can't always uh, get the Like Obama's uh, birth certificate, I think, still, but go ahead. Doctor's name is ukulele. I mean, come on. <laughs> that one just, that was enough for me. Uh, you know, how many doctors are there named ukulele? <laughs> no, yeah. it's, there's, there's too much out there that's true, but they propagandize that issue by calling the people birthers. 
So, you know, mm-hmm. when you put that right. title on people, then the people shut up. So, well, they wouldn't they wouldn't want to be a birther. So, they, you know, although it's a true thing, I I don't this man was bought and paid for out of nowhere uh to do exactly what he's doing. And he told us exactly what he was going to do. He was going to fundamentally change America. He wrote in his book, if it all came down to it, he would stand with his Muslim brothers. I mean, America doesn't have any ears. And he's doing that too. People aren't seeing that, are they? No, because it's washed over. It's all washed over. Hillary and Benghazi will be a thing of the past by the time the elections come. Um, I'm going to do everything in my power on my site to keep all these things alive, but that's Certainly. what they need. They need they need to be in people's faces constantly. You know whether. See, I that's mean, one I, of the reasons. I, go ahead. Well, that's one of the reasons why I want uh, Newt to throw his uh, hat back in the ring. One, I, I mean, I think it uh be great for the country. I mean, it's just he's brilliant in his ideas. But two, I mean, if there's anyone who could beat Hillary Clinton, it's uh, it's Gingrich because he did it back when she was the president. I mean, uh, when her husband was the president, uh, <laughs> you know, back uh, in the, the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and, he, and he beat her again. He beat Hillary Care, uh, frankly, uh, when he was uh, Speaker of the House. And I think if he was to run against her, oh, my gosh, a fire, which would be amazing. And, um, man, the debates would be outstanding. I think he'd blur away. Oh, and he would bring that stuff up, certainly. I don't think he'd be afraid to bring that up. It all it all needs to be out there, you know. We can't forget. I'm I'm planning one little thing. I'm going to do is uh, print up bookmarks for people. Just simple bookmarks with simple sayings on them. Just a person mm-hmm. will take a flyer or a brochure home and read it if it's if it's put in their hand, and they'll read it in the privacy of their own home. But they're not going to stand there and discuss. You know, if they're if you're speaking to a Democrat, he's not going to stand there and discuss with you. But if you give him something to read, uh, something short and sweet and to the point, um, I have little brochures like that. What is an executive order? What is Agenda 21? What is this? What is that? Uh, for people to print out on their home printers and leave them anywhere they can. This this needs we need to be the press. The press is bought and paid for, and the new media, right? If we don't start getting this information out there and soon, we're going to be looking at another Bush-Clinton ticket. And that's the Oh, end. yeah. Well I, don't know if, well, I don't know if Jeb Bush can run the primary. I, I think he may have uh, the establishment's uh, support, at least for a while. You know, what's going to find interesting, and, and I, I don't listen to Fox News anymore, it just uh, when they start touting – that when Fox News Channel start touting that uh, Mitt Romney was, you know, the only candidate that uh, was the most electable and can beat Obama, I knew they were just shilling for the Republican establishment because, as it turned out, and we all knew it here on the show uh, when we were talking about it in 2012, that he was the worst candidate. I mean, anyone, in my opinion, uh, pretty much could have done better than Mitt Romney against against uh, Obama, you know, I mean, just the atmosphere, the political environment, uh, the, the national environment uh, at that time uh, was okay. against those types of folks like Romney. I mean, it was awful. It, it was just, it was nice his man. next turn, was- his turnism. And I, 
here's some people thought that they won at Romney. Well, here's the thing. Think about this. Some folks thought that the Republicans won it to lose the presidency so that they can get what they've got now, and that's the House and the Senate. That's right. I, I think they, they look um, at ways to play these games and, and the long-term manipulation of what will happen if you move this pawn this way. And, you know, unfortunately, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said the queen or the king because we are the pawns when it ends up to it. Oh, yeah. And, um, they, you know, there's our our political system is completely out of touch with the everyday person. That's all there is to it. There, you know, the usurper in our house does not belong there. As far as I'm concerned, he's not an American citizen. I believe that he's of a particular religion that um, I don't call a religion. Um, he still can't call a terrorist a terrorist. Um, this latest shooting was just outrageous. He still hasn't said anything to their families. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, he's he, there's so much he doesn't do, you know. And, you know, every day I, I read Facebook. I read my site. I read all the other sites, every piece of news that comes across my computer. I'm, I sit here 10 hours a day doing this and trying, you know, to, to decipher what's real what's propaganda, and how to present it to the everyday person. Um, because they're bombarded. I and mean, let's face it, we've been, we have been um, led like, uh, you know, an advertising uh, game from the time they're telling us which cereal to buy, um, they're telling us what to believe. It's, it's, we're so used to hearing the propaganda and it's perpetuated by the liberal-owned media. Um, I don't know um, how to get a grip on a, de- on a on a direction to rally the conservative websites together because there's many of them out there. Um, oh yeah. If we could get the egos, get rid of the egos, get these people rallied together. We have great numbers of people that think like you do and they think like I do, but we just have to get them together. No, I agree. We don't. I mean, like I said earlier, we we definitely have a uh, diverse uh, folks here, and I do see that uh, the panelist Kelly, who's our resident, as I said, uh, constitutional scholar. Uh, and if, Kelly, if you want to chime in, just push that one in your number dial. Let me know when uh, you're ready to come in. And he's our resident. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't know what's going on with me today. I know I have had a lot of sleep past three days. Maybe that's it. Um, but he's our resident libertarian. Uh, of the group, uh, so it'll be interesting to to hear his uh, viewpoints. But Ed, uh, and I won't go into specifics, but I did give you a call, uh, as I said last week in the show. I was going to uh, to give you a call off air. Did you receive my voicemail? I actually, I you know, I I didn't get to it yet. Uh, my phone was out last week. I'm using a different phone, so sorry I missed that. Oh, but okay. uh, number no, tried okay. again next. Uh, and getting to the issue, the number one issue that separates people that believe in liberty from the people that are statists is the income tax. 
and we need somebody out there. And, you know, that libertarian position has been get rid of the income tax because, really, the income tax is Marxist, the second plank of the Communist Manifesto. It is the height of progressivism. It is their heart. We can rip it out of them. But the Democrats and Republicans, both in the Federalists, they're both strong Federalists that want to, uh, you know, take control of that income tax rather than destroying that income tax because they realize the power of the income tax. And in the income tax is so against the Bill of Rights, it violates the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh amendment, and technically you even say the ninth and tenth amendments. But uh, you know, it, it is uh, it is the most disgusting thing that happened to the United States of America. And uh, you know, Cruz lightly said he's going to be against it. So did Rand Paul. But I want to hear somebody like Tr I like to see Trump come out and say. Get rid of the income tax now, you know, as much as he's saying get rid of it. But, you know, Trump's kind of out there because you never know what he's going to do. And, you know, but I would like to see somebody come up from the Republican or even the Democratic Party and say the income tax is wrong. It needs to go. And that would, you know, I think you'll get Democrats, Republicans, and independents falling in place real quick. Mm -hmm. I agree there. No, I agree. There's a, a lot of, uh, you know, like, it's, you know, fair tax, flat tax. I mean, one of the things, I mean, it was kind of simplistic. Uh, the term in came was, was 999. Um, yeah, but that doesn't know, give her the kind of, authority. Now, fair tax is good, but it, flat tax or 999 is not good because you should not have to tell the government what you produce. What you produce is up to you, not up to the government. They work for you. You don't work for them. So there, now you mentioned Rand Paul. I, mean, uh, I don't know. I got mixed thoughts. I actually, uh, I liked his father, and I, you know, you know, we kind of uh, supported him somewhat in 2012, as you probably have guessed. Uh, mine was Duke Gingrich back, uh, you know, back then. Uh, but you know, with um, Rand Paul, I mean, just some of the things. I mean, he did endorse during the uh, Senate primary. He could have endorsed Matt Bevin, who was uh, definitely a true conservative. He, he ended up uh, endorsing Mitch McConnell. Now, that might have been the political expediency, uh, expedient thing to do, uh, but sometimes the thing that is the most principled thing to do is not necessarily the most uh, political expedience. And for me, uh, being you know principled is more important than political expediency. Uh, and he, that was one opportunity that he had uh to to do that also he I think he had a chance to uh stand behind uh a gentleman who was running against uh Boehner for the and now I know it's you know House and Senate's different uh but I guess with when it comes to endorsements he had a chance uh and I think he stood behind Boehner instead of uh going with uh you know a conservative who's running against him and uh Mark uh, Willis um, yeah. So, you know, he had opportunities. And also, real quick, in 2012, uh, he he endorsed Romney while there were still true, I mean, it was while there were still true conservatives uh, and who are closer to libertarians than uh, moderates are. Uh, he had the opportunity to uh, endorse Newt Gingrich, who, of course, is a conservative, uh, and, but instead he endorsed Mitt Romney. Uh, go ahead, uh, Ed. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rand Paul is 
definitely not as good as his father was. I met his father before. Actually, uh, right before the, I was at the, in Tampa because I am from Florida for the Ron Paul convention because the Republicans wouldn't let Ron Paul in, even though he had a good mm-hmm. supporting on a high percentage. But you know, we we filled up our whole covering that. Uh, yeah, the C-SPAN covered it and everything covered it. It was really a great event. There was at least 25,000 people there, and it, it was just strong libertarian values that, hey, you know, we want to get back to the principles of the Constitution, and we want to get rid of the Marxist uh, parasites are here. And, yeah, you know, uh, his son sells out a little more because he's a little higher up at the echelon. I mean, Ron Paul never went higher than Congressman. His son's a senator. It's only honor that was. Um, but, you know, you look at it, there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats. I mean, you know, we get the Republicans and it's still bigger government. To get Democrats and it's still bigger government. They're all for big government. They're all for the, uh, the income tax. They, 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 they just want to have the control of the income tax so they, they can set the percentages and this and that. But, you know, it, it's really anti-American and it's anti-liberty and it's anti-bill of rights. And that's what these, People go out and fight for our liberty because they know why we're free. The reason we're free is because of the Bill of Rights. It's not because of the income tax. We shouldn't have to report to government. The government should have to report to us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And speaking of, uh, just to give folks a little reminder uh, of how that went uh, that you were alluding to, uh, let's go ahead and play the short clip. I want to make sure that when the Republican Party loses uh, terribly to, in my opinion, the worst president in American history. Um, I want them to make sure that it's because they systematically shut out the most intelligent, most active, and youthful voting bloc in American history. Hi, I'm Zach Weissmuller with Reason TV. We're here at the Tampa State Fairgrounds with the diehard Ron Paul fans waiting for Paul Fest. Paul Fest is uh, the grassroots uh, celebration of uh, sort of the end of the 2012 Ron Paul campaign. It is not done with the cooperation or attendance of uh, Ron Paul or the official Ron Paul machine. How do you feel like the Ron Paul faction has been treated by the Republican Party this time around? I mean, definitely as the outcast. We are playing by the rules, Mm -hmm. okay? That's why the other side is so frustrated. You feel like the other side's not playing by the rules? They're changing the rules by the minute. The few people I've talked to here so far seem to be pretty frustrated with the Republican Party right now. Can you explain uh, where that frustration's coming from? Um, It's largely coming from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks with the fights over whether Ron Paul's various state delegations would be seated. It was a kangaroo court. I came down here as a delegate thinking we could have a conversation about rules, platform, uh, procedures, and, and maybe be brought into the, the, the campaign and, you know, get some of our planks, you know, accepted. And, but, you know, they, they made clear yesterday that they perceive us more as a nuisance than potential allies. During the state convention, we got railroaded. We didn't end up getting seated at the convention here in Tampa. Let the delegates participate and actually have a voice instead of just scripting the whole thing like it already is. Romney has probably lost even some of the support he might have had. There is definitely a very bad taste in the mouth about Romney and about the official Republican political machine. If you even want to imply that we are involved in some kind of common cause with a monster like Mitt Romney, then you have missed the whole point of the Ron Paul revolution. I am not planning on supporting Mitt Romney. Why not? Well, uh, after seeing the tactics employed by his campaign yesterday, you know, really upset me. There's no way I could support 
someone like him. How does this affect your attitude towards the Republican Party? It makes me feel like they are a bunch of um, idiots. Uh-huh. So you can reform the Republican Party if you want to. Look at the way the Republican Party has treated Ron Paul. If Romney wins the nomination, I'll be supporting Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson's campaign is making a very intelligent bid for the Ron Paul voter. He's not afraid to come here and ask for the Ron Paul vote. We'll show the world and the nation that what Ron Paul has stood for is not a fluke. It's the future. Live free! The frustration, I think, can get focused in a way that will have uh, an impact in this election, and that would be uh, voting for me. To say that they'll go third party, yeah. I think no, nobody in the uh, Ron Paul movement really wants to see Barack Obama or Mitt Romney get the, the presidency. You know, we're, we're pretty much libertarians, and we'll go the route to the person who believes closest to us. Okay, folks, and that kind of gives you an idea of how things uh, went down 2012. I think that's a big reason why Romney lost. I mean, they just disenfranchised and, you know, angered so many people uh, from the libertarians who otherwise if they would have used different tactics or just let things go uh, as they should instead of uh, their manipulations and chicanery. Uh, I believe uh, the outcome may have been different. Eh, maybe not, but they certainly would have been a, a smaller gap if, uh, if, if that wasn't the case on, on the way they they did things. And so I just want to uh, play that as a reminder, because one of the things, real, real quick, Ed, because uh, I want to bring it back to Susan, because one of the things uh, you talked about is, uh, for the mission statement, is, is reforming the Republican Party. How would uh, your organization help with that? With the Republican Party? Well, I was talking to Susie. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, I believe that. Uh, and then we'll go over to you. Uh, yeah, and then we'll go over to you, Ed. And then uh, Kelly went. Just let us know what you're ready to go. Go ahead. Okay, I I believe ahead, that the 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 party lines are too blurred. I believe we have too many rhinos. Um, I use the I I titled the website the Constitutional Conservatives to get away from the word Republican. Uh, many people want to be conservative, their ideas are conservative, but they don't want to be uh, in, related to the Republican Party at all. Um, they, they, in, in too many ways, the Republican Party has failed them, and they want nothing to do with it. They don't Actually, they don't want anything to do with any of the parties, and I believe that term, constitutional conservatives, just opens it to uh, a broader base of members coming in, and I believe we do need to reform the party. The concern, the, you have two choices. You've got the libertarian, and you're, you're led by the Pauls there, which a lot of people don't care for that. Um, but or the independents, which you've you know there, there are several parties that you could select. But if really all you want to do is preserve the Constitution of the United States and make people follow the law, the letter of the law, as written in the Bill of Rights and, and in our Constitution, you know, the, and the whole, the Declaration of Independence, the entire, um, uh, what do I want to call it, that, that, you know, our leadership, the way our leadership should be, is to follow the Constitution. And I think by trying to reform some of the party, de define the party, um, 
in reforming it, define it better. Um, too much of the Republicans' ideas right now are right in lockstep with the Democrats. Um, so there, there's not, I don't think there's a true Republican Party, neither do I think there is a Democratic Party. I believe that the Democrats have uh, blurred their party line with the Communist Party of America or the Socialist Party of America, and I believe that the Republicans have blurred to become Democrats. It's, it's, um, and I believe that's all purposeful. Also, I believe that um, if we could reform it by uh, holding the Republicans' feet to the fire to act like true Republicans, uh, then we might get some sort of a conservative party back that actually has the interest of the people in mind. Let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Dad, and then we're going to bring in Kelly. Yeah, I uh, kind of agree with that. I mean, if we could actually get the Republicans to act for the constitutional pro uh, provisions, especially the Bill of uh, the Bill of Rights, uh, the first thing we'd have to get rid of is the income tax, because the income tax makes people testify against themselves, against the Fifth Amendment, makes people uh, turn over the records, against the Fourth Amendment, makes people quarter troops in their house, the, you know, the Third Amendment, uh, makes people, you know, it, it's just so blatantly wrong, the income tax. And the income tax has been supported by both Democrats and Republicans. So they're, they're, they're almost the same, and they both write pages and pages and pages. When the Republicans are in party, they write their pages. When the Democrats are in party, they write their pages. But who pays for this all? the people. And then the withholding tax, neither one has the guts to say, we shouldn't have a withholding tax. It's ridiculous. It turns my stomach. That's why the Republican Party and the Democratic Party turned my stomach all my life. Over 45 years of activism, the one thing I want even more than uh, medical marijuana or bringing back hemp plant is getting rid of the income tax, because the income tax is a violation of our liberty. It's not why our young soldiers are dying in the fields. It's not why Washington had has been fighting the, the, the king for. I mean, they fought against taxes, not for the income tax. The income taxes is Marxist. It's the second plank of a, a communist manifesto. And if we don't get that into our heads, that a true conservative would say, that was the income tax today, that was the income tax tomorrow, and get rid of it for all times then he's, he's not worth being president. Thank you. Wonderful. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and uh, bring Kelly in. Kelly, it's great to hear from you. Thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Um, gosh, a lot to comment on here. By the way, I'm glad we have this guest that has a website. And uh, came in a little late myself. Um, yeah, let's kind of, from what I've heard, kind of work backwards. Um, fair tax, fair tax, and no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, our federal government operated for 150 years without an income tax system in our nation's history. They did have apportionment, though, where, according to the census, um, this state has this percentage of the population. Here's our anticipated budget. Send us um, the money state. So each state would fund the federal government according to their apportioned population. And of course, if there was problems with the federal government, the states could finally say, you know what, we're just not sending the tax money in. 
I mean, you, you're too. That was a nice uh, check and balance, if you will, that that has been taken away by the income tax. Um, there's still other some taxes that still go to the federal government, They're not just income tax, but that's another story. So whoever planned to take over this country had to have um, an income tax system. A fair tax system, you're falling into the same hand. You're just falling into the same hand. There's no state accountability. Um, It's frustrating. Well, there is some because the states would probably collect it and then send it to the feds. But just give the federal government infinite funding, it'll grow to infinity. I mean, that's just the nature of things. And so that's a real big problem. Okay, back to Ron Paul. Yeah, the Republicans threw him under the bus. If you remember, um, they changed the Monday night's convention night where they were going to pick a nominee. They changed that because he had a florality to speak to the delegates, and it may have been a broker convention how Ronald Reagan got elected. But they couldn't have that, so there's some supposed storm that the Girl Scouts were out selling cookies that day on the street. But, you know, we, we can't we can't have this. And they changed the rules from a six-state plurality to a eight-state. He had seven. So, oh, sorry, you can't. You're not even here. You don't even exist. And all your delegates, they don't exist either. But he had, what was it, five or 600 delegates, actually, because some of the Santorum took, came over, some of the Gingrich came over. They were scared of him. And then Rand Paul, I kind of like, I still haven't made up my mind which candidate to get behind. So, I don't know, those simple thoughts I thought I'd throw out. Well, it looks like, uh, unfortunately, we dropped uh, Ed's call. Ed's call looks like it dropped. Hopefully, he's able to call back in and it was having some uh, some, uh things with his battery and to plug it in and I know sometimes that happens. Actually I better check uh my mic uh <laughs> make sure it's not gonna run out on me. Um Okay, that's good. <laughs> but, uh yeah definitely I mean it was it was ridiculous and we are coming on upon another uh season and one of the things you're gonna wanna look up is uh when when when's the latest someone can I throw their hat in the ring because I, I believe August 6th, uh, which we will be uh, covering or doing some kind of commentary on that debate. Uh, I'm definitely going to uh, record it. I'll have some audio clips uh, and we'll definitely be uh, making commentary on that first debate uh, and things of that nature. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Cause, you know, for me, the political season is one of my favorite seasons, uh, maybe even more so than my favorite season of fall. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. I like the excitement of it. Uh, I mean, there's a few people who uh, I'm okay with uh, in, in the ring right now. Uh, I'm not really ecstatic about any of them. There's definitely those in there that I'm like, I could do without, and I, I really wouldn't support ever, uh, even if they did get the nomination. Probably, you know, probably not. I mean, I may if there wasn't an alternative. But one of the things we did in and as you kind of pointed out this, uh, with what you guys do, and we do have, uh, we do have Ed back. So we'll be bringing, uh, Ed back after we bring, uh, you back in Susan is that, uh, we, you know, we covered a lot of, uh, constitution party, not they'd be, uh, someone to look at Susan. Uh, are you familiar with the constitution party? 
Um, no, I I haven't really looked at the Constitution Party because I was looking at the people. Um, I wasn't necessarily looking for a party. Um, I've been one of those. I'm afraid I vote for the person, uh, not a party. And I haven't found any people uh, worthy of it. I just haven't found any. Um, you usually end up, well, uh, and the lesser the lesser parties, I I feel they split the vote. I'm sorry. Well, let's to not say, let's but, not call them lesser parties. That's I don't think that's sorry, Susan, but I don't well, think that's you know uh, I mean. I, uh, no, you know, a fair I mean, description of them. No, no, I, alternate I don't party. Mean that way. Alternative parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but they're you know they're they're let's just say are smaller. They don't have the money behind them that the bigger that the, the two. Yeah, there you go. That's for have. certain. And I believe that they may have good people, but they don't get the information out because they don't have the money. Um, and and then if they they do have the money to try and get it out, it's usually uh, not somebody I would select. Um, I think that we it's it's basically become since Perot. I think we've we've become a two party nation. Um, I, the, the Pauls have tried numerous times. Um, I, I think there are good people out there. I, I do agree with that, but I believe that it would be very difficult. And I, and unfortunately, if we do get a conservative that's decent, he's going to be under the Republican flag. And if we, you know, um, say somebody comes up under the Independence or the Constitution Party, um, it will split the vote. Um, and I'm I'm not I I want to steer clear of splitting that vote. Well, you know, actually, uh, you have some points there. I'm still libertarian. I'm probably going to go back to Republican. I've been having some challenges with these people, but um, <clears throat> interparty stuff in California. It's anyway. I'm a Actually, the, the, the yeah, California, Libert, um, state of Jefferson to be more precise, but that's for another day. Um, libertarians actually attract people from the Democrats and the Republican Party. They're pretty interesting about that. Their their motto is, uh, you know, um, conservative government, but uh, socially accepting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they actually do at, at state conventions and other conventions that I went to, um, like I went to the National in 12 and then 13, 14 here in California, you see a lot of, um, they call themselves recovering Democrats. (laughs) And uh, so they do, in in Virginia there was one race that they they did, um, it's really debatable whether, you know, Rush Limbaugh wanted to wanted to blame the loss to a Democrat on the Libertarians, but actually that wasn't quite true. They were taking, especially some of the Hispanics, too. So it's it's kind of a quagmire. The only reason why any third party, and by the way, the independent party is, is pretty strong in numbers, too. Um, there's a debate which, which has more numbers. The Libertarians seem to be more up and coming because they put good candidates, or really phenomenal candidates like Gary Johnson up there. But they have an issue with the uh, presidential debates when they only give a Republican physically and a Democrat physically for president when they can talk about uh, sugar cookies versus carrot cake and they still get elected. It's the physical, it's a game show. 
It is. But they it have is. carefully, precisely blocked the third party. And you know, if a third party got in that debate, which there's a lawsuit and other stuff going on, and, and Christina Tobin, she mm-hmm. was on the show. Um, right. That could actually turn that, and a third party could actually emerge. But I don't know if we're going to see it. It's Get so on the national stage, right, national debates. Yeah, I don't know if it's in our lifetime or my lifetime, but I'm. don't get me wrong, I'm not a registered Republican. I'm a registered independent. Um, I don't vote in the independent party thus far, but I did it as a protest. Uh, one of my members came up with the idea of everybody dropping uh, their registration as Republicans and just go register as anything else, just anything. Just uh, get your name out of there supporting the Republican Party. And it worked for a little while, but um, no, I um, I don't know who's out there. I I, I really would like uh, John Wayne to ride in on a, a white horse and you know walk in there with his commanding voice and and the respectability and you know bring bring some morals, some ethics, some values back to the people. Uh, be an example for the people, especially for our youth. Um, I um, I don't think the state, I don't think the federal agencies should have any any say in what goes on in our states as far as our children, our education, or medical marijuana. As Ned was speaking, um, I don't I don't think it's their business. Um, unfortunately, with the tax situation, I'm not so sure that we are not so federally entrenched in, um, you know, like our, our, what would happen to our infrastructure? Where, where are we going to get the funds from? Gasoline tax? I don't know. Um, you know Actually, yeah, that's a huge part of our infrastructure for roads is the gas tax. Right. Yeah, but then they try to lower the gas prices and people are going green on these cars. So I just hear that Oregon has done That would be me. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> that would be well, you, huh? Well, well technically, oh, yeah, I've got a um, technically, <laughs> You know, actually, I'm a civil engineer. Technically, uh, little cars do very little damage to the road. It's the 18 wheelers. Yes, they're the exactly. ones that tear up, and they're only getting six Spin miles down. <laughs> right, so they're yeah. they're paying a majority of it because they're doing the majority of the damage. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I live right on a trucker's route. I live on 111. But no, well, you know, and I'm, and I'm one, yeah, I've got one. I've got one of those uh, greener cars. Yeah, I've got a, a hybrid, so. I do too. I do. I've got a I've got a hydrant, but uh, not a awesome. Prius. <laughs> no, but, mine's actually you know, a, the, uh, a mine's a Ford Escape hybrid. Mine's an SUV hybrid. I have the Ford C Max, so yeah, it's the same. It's a very good little car, um, but you know the, the, they're going to find a way to tax it anyway, as they're going to do in Oregon. They're going to tax on miles driven rather than the gasoline tax, which, you know, may or may not be a good thing. Um, How can they monitor they that for longer? Well, that's that's what they've got proposed in Oregon at this point. Um, and I was, I was kind of surprised well, what, by that. But it, Go ahead. Well, what they're probably going to do is they'll probably have, have to have, they'll have to have something installed inside your vehicle. And yeah. that's where I think that would be a bad idea because if they can install something into your vehicle to find out how many miles you've driven, what else do they have? What what else are they monitoring? Other than monitoring your speed. So 
So if oh, you boy. decide that you're going to go 10, 15 miles over the speed limit, are you, are, you know, they're going to send a, be able to have the ability later on to send a ticket to your home because I said, oh, oh yeah. you were going over the speed limit. So, is there yep. going to be a GPS? Um, there's going to be a GPS on that so they can find oh, out right. exactly where you are all the time. I don't yeah, like that idea. Yeah, it is a GPS, and it's more control. It's more Big Brother all the way around. Um, but, they, you know, they're they they're trying to recap something from the green cars. So, you know, they're, they're trying, and, and unfortunately they're going to go in all the wrong directions. But if you... If you do away with the taxes, and this is another reason why I don't think people speak up, because they're afraid of the IRS. Uh, when they saw the Tea Party and all the other uh, websites um, getting harassed by the by the IRS, and they saw Lois Lerner just walk, um, you know they mm-hmm. uh, the little guy the little guy is. gets the little guy gets a little bit concerned. You know, well, I'm part of the Tea Party. Are they going to come knocking on my door? And and it's like nobody wants to contend with them. I've already done my share with them. I ended up suing them, and I unfortunately I I did win, fortunately. But unfortunately, prior to that, uh, they wanted to attach my house, which I promptly sold. So you know they didn't get what they wanted from me, but I didn't get what I wanted either. Um, but I did mm-hmm. not. I did sue them, and I did win. But not not most people can say that. They're afraid. Yeah, we actually had, uh, speaking of that, we actually had uh, Justin Bennett Thomas on the show, who was one of the folks who was targeted uh, by the IRS. Mm. Yeah, we, we've yeah, been, we've interviewed him uh, on the show. Yeah, that's great, because it's, I mean, it's, 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 I think that all of these things, um, uh, this whole thing that, you know, once you've you've searched something on Google, you're just an everyday person, you've searched something on Google, you go to another site and, oh, my goodness, they're advertising exactly what you searched on Google. Um, this this type right. of Big Brother stuff is very scary. That's true. And well, I think... Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I just think it's another uh, another way that they're they're shutting people up. Are you from Oregon? <laughs> no, I'm from California. Yeah, you are. What part? I'm in Southern California. I, okay. I was born and raised in San Diego. Oh, okay. So you know, you've heard of the state of Jefferson, then? Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to throw out some thoughts too. I mean, yeah, the IRS may not necessarily have the authority. <clears throat> Joseph Bannister suffered. Basically, uh, you're terminated when he said, show me a law that requires by law somebody to file with the IRS, and they terminated him. But he did a lot of research after he heard a radio show, talked with a guy, met with a guy, and he got convinced this whole thing's a game show. They may not have the authority. They certainly have the power, and they do pull their intimidating muscles and scare people. And it's always stunning how, you know, years ago it used to be around tax time, you know, April 10th, Somehow the camera showed up when the IRS was raiding somebody's house who didn't file, you know? It was kind of a nice yeah. little, see, how'd the media get a hold of this, you know? <clears throat> but anyway, mm-hmm. I want to I throw out something to kind of change the course a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, sure. The, real, uh, quick, uh, real quick, Kelly, I do want to do a programming note because we are nearing the top of the hour. Uh, for those who are listening out there uh, who are not called in, uh, you need to give us a call within the next nine minutes or the uh, show, uh, at least the live portion of the show, uh, we'll be shutting down on you, and you won't be able to hear the rest of the audio. Uh, but fear not, uh, there will be the extended period 
of the show, uh, which uh, will still be going on. So if you'd like to listen and maybe even chime into the extended period, uh, give us a call at 347-945-7428. If not, just uh, you can hear the remainder of the show on the podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. As each and every show is a podcast uh, and saved for uh, future uh, listening. So you can also uh, come back to the link or download the program, or you can download it even onto your smartphone. I believe the show can also be found on iTunes uh, as well. Uh, currently, it's a free uh, iTunes download, so you could do it that way. And then you can listen to the remainder of the show. But yes, definitely give us a call at the 347 945 7428, because if you do not, you will lose the audio in the next eight minutes. <clears throat> excuse me, in the next eight minutes. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. And then I do want to bring Ed back in, and then we'll bring things uh, back around uh, to our guests. Uh, so go ahead, Kelly. Well, there's a great opportunity for those of us that love the Constitution. And it's coming up, considering all that's in the news, particularly uh, Christian radio, um, <clears throat> hearing all the uh, gay rights ruling, gay marriage by the Supreme Court, Obama putting rainbow lights on the White House. So what's going to happen is the people in the churches are going to skid up and start voting. And that could be a huge thing. However, however, they can go down two paths now that they're getting out of the pews and getting in, into the, the ballots. Um, there's two options. One is they can go on a moral crusade, which the federal government doesn't have any business in moral issues. That's up to the states. But they might get distracted into that. Whereas if the conservatives that are getting out of the churches and they're voting, the best thing that could happen is they furiously study the Constitution. And in doing so, we will get more free. They would be motivated by the angst of the recent ruling. But that's the two paths that, and I would hope somebody is able to put something together and direct them that really these these moral issues are a circus sideshow. I mean, you look at um, um, uh, Santorum went to Iowa in a pickup truck, went around the state, I'm pro-life, and he wins. I mean, that's my home state. That's where I was raised. I was a little bit embarrassed when that happened. But, um, you know, look at how much of an effect it has. It's a circus sideshow. And then he votes for the NDAA. It's like, come on, folks. Do you realize what you just did? Because you're on a moral crusade that doesn't belong in the hands of the Fed, you're supporting somebody that's voting for the NDAA. It's like, come on. So somehow, those of us who love liberty, if if we have people coming to us, we've got to say, it's a sideshow. Here are the issues we've really got to focus on. We've got to learn more about the Constitution. And then we'll and then, you know, for the rest of their lives they'll be able to vote in a much clearer, better way for candidates and, and we might even get our uh, just get in a much better position down the road. And then yeah, I, time in on that? Yeah, I I I I agree with that. Uh states rights is the way to go. Um you know, if the states start taking back their rights, then we're not going to have the problem with the, you know, it's it's like abortion should be handled at a state level. And it's moving that direction. And Roe versus Wade was a very bad law. 
you know, and it killed a lot of innocent people, and, and the federal government forced it down the states, you know, because uh, a lot of states said, no, we don't want abortion, but the federal government forced it down the throats. The same thing with marriage. The federal government's forcing it down the state's throats. Um, if you Google Alabama Senate, the Alabama Senate has taken the libertarian position, which is that the state is no longer going to issue licenses, which is the proper position. They should, you know, it's the same with fishing licenses. Hey, if you want to go out and fish to feed your family, you shouldn't have to have go to the state. Say, uh, can I have a license to feed my family? No, that should be an inherent right from God and an inalienable right. And an inalienable right, exactly. And it's just. And the same thing with uh, marriage. The, you know, the Alabama's trying to pull it. I think the states are going to eventually go this direction. They're going to say, hey, you know what? We're not going to license marriages anymore. So, therefore, you know, uh, the only ones, you know, if you go, it's between your maker, your family, and your, your uh, priests or whatever religion you happen to practice. Or if you don't practice religion, just sign your own contract and, and don't get the state involved. And that's the way we need to go. Limited government. Our founders founded this country on limited government. There weren't all these bureaucracies and these big buildings and these cars and these pension plans and everything else out there when the founders were here. There was limited. There wasn't even a police force. There was no such display. That's why when, when Henry says he feared this new federal government, which he didn't even want, he wanted to stay under the Artist Confederation. He said, and I'm not going to come to your house and measure everything you eat, drink, and wear. He had the vision. He knew what was going to happen when we put this, you know, this big federal bureaucracy into place, even though it was small at that time. But today we need to downsize it. And the way to downsize it is like what the Alabama Senate's doing. Saying, hey, we're not going to license marriage anymore. And, and, and thumb your nose at the federal government. And it's like Colorado. We don't care that you think that people should be putting cages for marijuana. We're not going to, we're allowing our citizens to grow marijuana. And like Missouri, it says, we're not going to force any of the federal bills on gun laws. So first we take back our states, then you take back your county, then you take back your town, and then you have your freedom. There you go, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Well, by the way, speaking of fishing... We should ask our California guest what she knows about the right to fish in the California Constitution. <laughs> well, you've got me there, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that one. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. This is just kind of a cute one. Um, the California Constitution says you have the right to fish. That's what it says. I mean, the there right is no license, no right. nothing. You have the right to fish. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I ought to try that someday and tell the guy who gives me a ticket that, to read the Constitution, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah, lots of states have lots of nice little rules, but we don't get to follow them. You know, it's too bad. Uh, I did want to chime in on that uh, gay marriage. Uh, I understand that one of the, uh, <laughs> shall we call it a side effect of the gay marriage is now they are forced to get married because a lot of the employers have now dropped that insurance coverage for their partner, for the partnership. I can't remember what that's exactly called uh, at the moment, but that uh, that portion where they were allowed to cover their partners by the insurance has been dropped, and so that now to insure the partner, they have to get married. So there's a big group oh, of wow. gay Talk women. Oh, wow. Talk about uh, <laughs> unintended consequences. Yeah, exactly. And they're, well, they're all of And real quick, uh, real, real quick, in the last program, and note, uh, looks like we only got about a minute. 
before we go to the extended period, or sometimes what we lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark. So if you'd like to attend, give us a call, 347-945-7428. But you can have to do it in the next 30 seconds, or uh, we'll be uh, missing out on it. But, of course, as I said earlier, you will be able to uh, hear us on the archives or on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Just sorry for interrupting. I want to make sure I got that out. Go ahead, Susan. Okay, Robert, also on that phone number, um, I had uh, seven tries before I could get through on that number and calling in. Just wanted to let you know. Really? That's uh, yeah, 347-945-7428 is the number. I tried my house phone, my cell phone. Uh, we tried the house phone several times. My husband even thought I was dialing wrong. He dialed. And finally, I got through. But it took me seven tries. Well, I thought I heard you um, from a different uh, area code uh, try to call in, and then uh, we, we lost the line. Uh, so yeah. perhaps what does what's going on, I'll ask some other folks who I know regularly call in if, uh, they've had any, if they've had any issues. But I'm glad you let me know about that because uh, I have been looking and, and wondering on that as I'm seeing my switchboard um, right. tonight. So, yeah, But I, I really appreciate you, uh, you bringing that Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't know what more I can add to this this evening. Um, it's been a pleasure and uh, certainly uh, gained a lot of knowledge. Um, I hope that I have the opportunity to join you again. Um, I, you know, again, I'm going to work at state level. I'm going to try to. Um, I, I still think that some marches on our states. Um, Across the board might be something to try, um, you know, get every state to their states, you know, um, at one time. That might be a, a good thing to see if we can get some attention within the state. Um, I know in in California, you know, we've got, uh, uh, let's see, what did, what did we call him? If it's Brown, flush it down. Um, he's still in town. <laughs> So I I don't I don't know what good we'll have in California, but uh, <laughs> oh I have. By the way, it's about water conservation, not about uh, you know if it's yeah, yellow, red, mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Um, yeah, it's about water, not about, about not about Jerry Brown, the governor. <laughs> well, since, well, since we're now into now, since we are now in the Bard's Logic After Dark, I tell you what, I was uh, at a store the other day, and it was absolutely hilarious. I can't believe it actually existed. Uh, there it was a project called Poopery. I kid you not. And I'm not doing a commercial here, uh, but it was called Poopery, and it was a spray that you spray into the toilet before you go, and supposedly puts a film on top of the water. I kid you not. A film on top of the water that holds in the odiferous emanations. Oh, in hi. there, so that when you fly, you know, so don't you know, emanate uh, through, uh, throughout the room. And the funny thing about it is, there was an infomercial on this thing, and they had this 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 red, British redhead, this attractive British redhead on there, and this dress sitting in a field on a toilet, and just without a smirk on her face, talking about it. And she said the p word. Well, that ends with oh, a P. No. I won't say it because I can't. I, it's, for me, it just totally grows me out to hear a woman say that word. A, that word coming out of a woman's mouth is like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. It's silly but true. And and she said that word 
without a smirk, without a smile. I was flabbergasted. I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's just talking about, it's absolutely hilarious. I've got to see if there's a video on, on online somewhere, but it's poopery. It's unbelievable. But anyway, that's where my, my digression on that. Go, go ahead. Uh, but seriously, there's a, there was a bumper sticker from his go-round, his first go-round, and I've got one. And that's what it says. <laughs> wow. But anyway, yeah, we've had him before, and we'll, I don't know when we'll get rid of him again. But, you know, I, uh, California is pretty liberal, and I sit here, and I've lost a lot of friends, a lot of, a lot of people that called themselves my friends. But, you know, I don't think they were their acquaintances. But they, I speak my mind. I do my thing. Um, you know, if somebody gives me a direction, I'll try to pursue it to the best of my ability. Um, I think working with um, Heritage Foundation and um, with the bigger boys is, for me, a, a way to garner uh, printed materials that I can hand out. Um, they do offer a lot of printed material. I, I still believe in printed material going out, um, simple brochures, put things on bookmarks, put them on flyers, set them everywhere. Be the press. We have to be the press. Um, we have, you know, I'm losing faith in Fox News. I believe we're oh, the bottom yeah. line. We're, we're what's left, you know, and, and we've, we've got to take control of it and get the information out there somehow. And, uh, I'm, I'm still going to, you know, pursue that avenue and, uh, work with members and we'll do, I think things done in mass are noticed, um, you know whether we'll get anywhere. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have that answer. Um, uh, we certainly haven't made a lot of footway, but we've made some. You know, we make small. We win some small wars, but or some small, small battles. But the big war is still left to, to battle. And um, as I say, I don't know that I can add a whole lot more to this conversation. But it, it has been great. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, we definitely uh, appreciate you coming on the show, spending as much time uh, as uh, you have with us. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to email you the uh, link to the podcast. And so if folks would like to access that where they can download uh, the episode of the show so they can uh, listen to it uh, at their convenience, I will go ahead and uh, email this to you. Uh, and so you, what you can do is you can just you know, send folks over that way. Uh, where they can access it, uh, so they can download it. Okay. Is can I uh, may I embed it on my site? Can I embed it on there? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. What okay. you do is go to the link, and then uh, and then that will give you where you could get an embed code. Okay. And well, I uh, <clears throat> tell us appreciated meeting appreciated meeting Kelly and Ned, and uh, perhaps we'll talk again. Okay, yeah, definitely. We'll uh, we'll keep track on uh, on LinkedIn. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, your website again. Uh, theconstitutionalconservatives.com. dot com. The constitutional plural. Theconstitutionalconservatives.com. dot com. Conservatives. Okay. Nicely okay. said. All right. All right. Thanks for coming on. All right, go ahead okay, and thank you. yeah, go ahead and check your email, and uh, there's uh, the link to uh, where they can download or you can get that embed. I just uh, emailed that to you, 
and we really appreciate uh, you coming on. I'm glad we finally got the opportunity uh, to do so. Great. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope I'll do it again soon. Talk to you guys Definitely. Later. You take care. Thanks, Susan. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Good night. Definitely uh, check uh, their uh, link out at www.theconstitutionalconservatives.com. That's conservatives with an S. And that's www.theconstitutionalconservatives.com. Now, uh, I definitely got, um, you know, some news uh, from the gentleman we had on last week, uh, Mark Henkel, the National Plugby Advocate. And uh, he really did enjoy uh, coming on last week. And I, he really appreciated the respectfulness uh, that uh, the panelists and the folks here on the show uh, afforded him. Uh, coming on, because, of course, with that type of subject, I'm sure you know that a lot of places he goes to, especially conservative shows, I bet he gets a lot of flack, a lot of disrespect. And well, that's one of the things I could say that, uh, and you know, I'm proud of here on uh, Bard's Logical Talk is even if we talk to folks who may or may not reflect or, you know, something we agree with, uh, we're still respect uh, respectable to their uh, views and able to have a civil discussion with them uh, on those uh, topics and issues. And so I really want to appreciate, uh, say thank you and appreciate to the panel here uh, for affording him uh, the level of respect that we've grown to uh, expect here on uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk. So uh, I really appreciate that, folks. And he really uh, appreciated it too, and he conveyed that uh, to me on, on how we, you know, he was appreciative of that. So we may have or may not have an abbreviated uh, uh, Bard's Logic after dark this evening. Uh, we may go uh, the remainder of the time, depending on the, how the conversation goes. Uh, I could go either way. I know I've got to uh, get up quite early in the morning, but that's okay. I've uh, done before, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll catch up on some sleep some other time. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it back for any uh, other comments that want to be made about uh, our guest tonight, or you now we can bring up some new topics, as I think you uh, may want to do, Kelly. But let's go ahead and first uh, bring it over to you, Ed, and uh, who is the uh, resident uh, anti-federalist here. And so uh, what are your thoughts on uh, want to sum up uh, what we talked about tonight? Well, I think you had a great guest on there tonight. Uh, and it says in her reflection, you know, the constitutional conservatives, I mean, that's a great position right there. And, you know, even though um, I prefer them to be more Articles of Confederation, more anti-federalist, but, you know, during the beginning of the country, we were between the Articles of Confederation and the conservative constitution. Today we're between the conservative constitution and uh, the Communist Manifesto by Marx which is basically, you know, the 10 Planks of Kindness Manifesto, we're getting closer to that than we are there. So, I mean, I'd like to see us go closer to the uh, conservative constitution. Uh, and by the way, on your uh, program here, Bart, I think that uh, one of my T-shirts I came up with uh, for the Libertarian Party is um, no dissension, no liberty. No K-N-O-W dissension, no liberty. And what you were just talking about, that you got you don't let everybody on and let them have their say, because that's what our farmers wanted. We, you know, if you don't have dissension, you're living in Cashel land or you're living in, in uh, Kim Jong-un land. 
you know, because if you try to sit there, they'll, they'll kill you or throw you in jail. So, you know, you have to have dissension to have liberty. And then if you know that, if you know dissension, then you can figure out what liberty is, too. So those are uh, a good concept to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. And actually, when the, the, the show first uh, started, uh, first it was, you know, more, you know, covering the 2012 convention, things of that nature, doing a lot of interviews. Now, when I originally uh, began the show, it was to uh, two things. One uh, was to support Newt Gingrich, honestly, uh, frankly. And then two was to be, you know, more people come on and, and you know, kind of a debate forum. Uh, but I didn't want to force how the, the show, uh, I guess, progressed, force how the show uh, just developed. And so I just kind of let it organically uh, just morph into uh, what the show is today. And, you know, that's why we morphed into the, the grassroots way the people show. It's what we're uh, covering more so. Um, and then, you know, and then now it's becoming more of a conscious decision on, on how to do it. Uh, there are some issues that I haven't put on the show just because it's like, well, everybody else is talking about it. Uh, maybe we won't uh, talk about it here on the show because let's not be redundant. Let's bring uh, more of the folks who may not have an opportunity elsewhere because everyone else is talking about, you know, the same old issue to get them onto the show so that they can be heard out uh, as well uh, because everyone else has talked about the same topic. Now we will do some, you know, topical, you know, current event uh, types of discussions that we have in the past and I'm sure we'll do so again. Um, But we'll, uh, you know, but that's kind of like, you know, the way the, the, the show is organically forming and kind of brand is, uh, so the grassroots, we, the people show it's about, uh, you know, the listeners that it's about, uh, the grassroots. Uh, now next week we have, uh, for the third time on our show, and I think, uh, you might find her interesting. I don't know if you had the opportunity to speak with her yet, uh, uh, Ed, and I, I know, uh, you have Kelly and you'll be familiar with her is Christine Timmons. Uh, is going to be coming back onto the show to talk to us what she uh, is going to, uh, what she's been working on lately. And, I t- and she's kind of a prolific talker. Would you agree, uh, Kelly? <clears throat> yeah, she we is. Uh, another machine gun mouth where she gets a lot of uh, words out. The um, I would prefer uh, people that have more of an ebb and flow in conversation, but, you know, I guess that's Christine's style. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's good people on the way, but yeah, she's uh, very, very, very powerful. <laughs> she can, she can definitely go. So uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have to keep the reins, uh, or I will, uh, as the host here, uh, you know, keep the reins to keep it from her, uh, violating the eighth deadly, eighth deadly sin, right? Is that what that is? That's what that is. Correct. Kelly? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah she uh, was violating the ace. Right. And, uh, and, and speaking of that, and that's because we love him, and, but we know that he tends to violate the ace sometimes, is Dan. Uh, now, you can tell we haven't heard from Dan in a couple of weeks. I know he's got some, you know, projects that's keeping him incredibly busy, as we do we all. Um, but uh, we're hoping to hear back from him uh, soon. And uh, one thing I want to make a, a note today, uh, since we have some of our folks on, is I want to send out uh, some special thoughts to a, a, a good friend of ours, uh, Angela, and just to keep for her privacy, I won't mention her last name, um, but uh, for the folks who are, you know, friends here, the people who know her, um, any of the folks who may have heard her on the show or her in chat, 
Uh, I want to have our thoughts uh, go out to Angela tonight. She uh, has lost her sister. Her sister passed away today. And so we definitely want to keep, keep her in our thoughts, uh, put some positive thoughts out uh, to her. And for those of you, uh, which I know who are many, if not most, uh, who listed the show who are of uh, religious nature, um, if you could send some prayers out to Angela and her family, uh, you know, for their loss. So if uh, folks can do that, um, I'm sure Angela will appreciate it, and I'll appreciate uh, that as well. So definitely keep uh, her and her family in your thoughts and prayers tonight, uh, or whether you're listening to this live now, or if you're listening to the archive uh, on whether it's uh, the day of, or if you're listening to this archive, uh, you know, a year from now, because the loss of a family member uh, is something that you always feel the pain uh, of throughout time, no matter how much time has passed. So let's definitely keep uh, keep that in mind. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that forward, Robert. I, I chat with her here and there. I haven't been on Facebook for quite a while, but you know, it must be really hard on her. Yeah, and I've, I've got uh, I've got four sisters and two brothers. I've been fortunate enough uh, not to uh, have lost any of them at this point. Um, I have lo- I did lose my mother ten years ago, and uh, I, she still, even though it's been ten, eleven years, she's still dearly missed. Uh, and uh, of course, the the pain is is biting. Is it one that was in? Of course, uh, there is a numbness that comes afterwards. Uh, which some would uh, describe as healing, uh, but uh, you, you still you definitely feel the gap. Uh, they're definitely missed, and that's not something even even a year, or in my case, eleven years, can uh, uh, can fill. So let's. Uh, but I appreciate that, Kelly. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, and I appreciate folks for for doing that and sending your thoughts and prayers to Angela and her family. And so we'll continue on uh, with our discussion tonight. And so, yeah, we've, we've got about a quarter after the hour. And so, you know, maybe we could talk uh, a bit more. Uh, and I might have asked you this before, Ed, uh, now that Kasich has thrown his hat in the ring and he's from my state here in Ohio, how far he'll get, I don't know. I know the uh, upcoming debate is coming on August 6th. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I uh, can't wait, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, and I'm, I'm also working on a few things uh, behind the scenes. We'll see what, what what's going on with that. Um, of uh, what we move forward. Now, is there anyone? Uh, you know, we're, none of us here are staunch Republicans. I don't think we are. I'm more of a independent. And I've even been known to vote for Green Party candidates uh, because they kind of sing to my uh, environmental nature. Uh, but this, is there any candidates right now, at least Republican out there, uh, Ed, that that really? I know there's, you know. That, that really you would like, gosh, I really wish he or she would uh, run. That would run or that is running? That you, well, if there is one that, if there is one that is running now, but if there is not somebody who you're really passionate about, uh, would there be anyone out there uh, currently, you know, politician or someone who's in Al- the uh, realm? I would love to see Alan Keyes run. Or, uh, was, is that right? The guy from Florida? Not Alan. Yeah. Um, Alan West. Alan West. Alan West. Alan West. Well, actually, I like, I like Alan Keyes better than Alan West. Alan West is a little too, um, he's a little too hardcore military for me. He's from the military, and I've heard of him. I met him before, but um, Alan Keyes, now, nah, he was, he, I like Alan Keyes. Nah, he, I haven't heard from him for a while. 
but he was popular in the uh, 08, 04 elections. Um, and, he, you know, he did speak pretty good and highly of America. I, like I said, I really believe that we need somebody out there saying, get rid of the income tax. It's ridiculous. It needs to go. It's nothing but a political football. It's ugly. It hurts all Americans. It's anti-Bill of Rights. It's anti-Constitution. It's anti-American. And, I, you know, if somebody can, I can write the speech whatever they want. You know, I can come up with a thousand different things to say against how terrible the income tax is. And, you know, I mean, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, I, Cruz has come out with a little bit of things that he wants to get rid of it, but I, he's not really expounding upon it. I want somebody that expounds upon it. Somebody that really jumps up and down and says, this is what we need. I think if somebody came out and did that, I think they'd get a lot of independence and a lot of Americans behind them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, if I was running for president, don't want the job, too much responsibility. Um, if I was running for president, I'd say, look, we put a man on the moon, okay? We won World War II. We developed the atomic bomb. We have incredible technology in this country. We've got, obviously, incredibly smart people. Why can't we at least fix the tax code, phase it out in five years, let's put the best minds at this? I mean, come on. We can do this. We're the American people. Smart people will step up. Reagan did a brilliant job with the Mies Commission. Mies approached Reagan. We'd like to audit the federal government from a professional business point of view. He did. Or was it the Grace Commission? I get the two confused. And they came through with a really good audit. Stunning. I uh, should remember that back in the 80s. Um, but there are, well, there are um, smart people. The government still grew. But go ahead. What is what? Well, no, property taxes. What about getting rid of those? That's hard to do. It's a very efficient system, too, but it's hard to do. Probably one of the most efficient systems. No, to get rid of the property tax, I can't stand it because my mortgage goes up every year. <laughs> I'm kidding. you know, and it's uh, you know all these school levies and stuff for one, and it's just speaking of toilets, that's where the money's going. Um, yeah, probably literally in some senses, but you know, I, I just want to get you know, I would like to get rid of the property taxes. I mean, how can you say you own your own land uh, if? You know, you have to pay taxes every year, and if you don't pay the taxes, the government takes it from you. Exactly. But property taxes is a state's rights issue. And there are some states that are getting more progressive or more righteous in getting rid of the taxes or keeping them very low. I, I forget which state it was, but I think the lowest in the country is like two mil. You know what I mean? Where most are up around five to eight mil. And, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's already, worse here I, in Ohio, I think. Let me tell you. Well, ours goes by the district. Ours isn't even state. Ours goes by yeah. in Ohio. We, we've got uh, we got district uh, and county and all kinds of crap. Well, they all, they all take their share. They all take their share. The state takes a few mil out, and somebody else takes, you know, and it all adds up. But that's how it basically works. And I'm saying it. But that's where you get... You know, and, and an innovative state can come up and, and, and change the way the whole country does. Say, root by say, we don't even have property tax. So that's the beauty that our founders set up when they set up states' rights. Because you want to have a lot of different patterns of government 
and you know, and you want to eliminate, but you want to have patterns to view. And you say, hey, look, that, that, that state over there, they don't have income tax. Oh, look, that state over there, they don't have property tax. That's what the beauty of, you know, states' rights is. Well, California has uh, <clears throat> the voters pass this because we have state initiatives that the assessor cannot increase your property value more than 1% per year unless you sell. But basically, um, inflation is about 3.5%. Well, it's getting to be 5 or 7% now. But basically, um, they can't ding you. They can't keep up with inflation on property taxes. So even if you mm -hmm. had a home, say you bought it in 1950 for say 15,000, which is not an unreasonable number, 15 to 20,000, and you're still living in there today, and you're an elderly woman, you know, and you lost, you were a widow, you're still back at what you're assessed at. Well, they did. They started upping it until the 80s, but then somebody uh, stepped in and said, "We're done with this stuff." So at least elderly women who are widows are not going to be taxed to death and lose your house. Yeah. You know, California is a mix. It's really strange because we get some really good laws um, and then we get some really weird social laws. I, I, it's, it's, I, I can't even figure it. I can't put my finger on it. But there's a lot of things. We, our grand jury system is one of the best in the whole country, if not the world, with our, our civil grand juries. And we got that one right. Somebody worked hard. I don't know how that happened. Our representation ratio was terrible. One state house assemblyman for um, 900 and, was it 930,000 people? That is not representation when you have to compete with 930 people, 930,000 people. New Hampshire only has 2,500. One for 2,500 or 3,500. One for 3,500. And there are you know, they're known as a free state. I mean, it's yeah you know, with these uh, in California when you have um, when you have one for 930,000, you have to spend a lot of money, which means you have to go to special interests. Special interests have the money. So that's uh, it's frustrating. But, and that's why you um, income tax. And the income taxes. Now you're piling on a federal and a state. Yeah, well, Texas doesn't have any state income tax. There's a couple states that don't have that. Right, Florida don't. That's where I'm at. And a lot of that's why I moved down here. You know, it's like that's where it appeases people. You know, the move to places to say, you know, tell me you don't have income tax. Tell me you don't have property tax. Tell me you're very limited in all your government structures. That's where I'm moving. And that's, you know, that's where, and tell me you're going to stand up to the federal government. That's where I'm moving. You know, and it's like uh, I'm tempted. The only reason I haven't moved up to New Hampshire, I've had some friends, younger friends, because I'm not that young anymore move up north to New Hampshire because they had the free state movement going on there. And it's, you know, advertised by the Libertarian Party and a lot of Libertarian-minded people, the Freedom March stuff. Everybody move up to New Hampshire and we'll take the state over. So the vision is, hey, we're going to make this a really a state's rights, state's rights state. Mm -hmm. Well, New Hampshire doesn't have uh, safety belt laws. They don't have helmet laws. They don't have car insurance laws. Right, right. law that uh, jury nullification can be um, introduced by the defense attorney, so that's not feeding 
the prison uh, prison system corporations, you know. Anyway, um, right. so they they have justices of the peace. That's a huge thing. Justices of the peace can nip in the bud a need for endless, endless laws. Because when you have, I mean, what's the whole law there for? It's resolve disputes between people and punish criminals. Okay, that's what the law is for. And so when you have a justice of the peace, you have your neighbor and your other neighbor, uh, the justice of the peace can can get these two to talk together and they resolve their disputes and he has the power of ordering this or that and whatever and then you can go and appeal it. Well, the justice of the peace doesn't have to be an attorney in New, New Hampshire. So what happens here in the bigger effect, well, just compared to California, we got to pass a county ordinance for freaking everything. Why? Because we don't know how to resolve our disputes. And even when they do pass, well, I've just been fighting co-compliance, baloney stuff, which I'll tell you a horror story in Sacramento, because uh, they've been doing it, 725 cases pending in the city of Sacramento alone, and they have these um, titles. One of them is uh, Vacant Substandard Building. Wait a minute! Vacant Substandard Building. How do you know it's a substandard? Oh, that's right. You went into this vacant building. It's none of your damn business. It's private property. And so they get fined every month, and if they don't pay, they get a lien. I know this from a real estate novelist who's doing this. But, you know, how do you deal with all the people problems you could ever imagine? Well, I pass another code, another code, another code, which means what? you got to hire an attorney. Justice of the peace resolves the disputes and prevents the endless proliferation of codes. It's stunning. And we used to have this all over the country. Robert Huot Jackson was a Supreme Court justice in the 50s, and actually in the, in the, in the 40s and 50s. He didn't have a bar card. He didn't go to law school. He came up through the old-fashioned system of uh, the locals elect you. Okay, you're the justice of the peace of the town, or you know, at least 20, 20 blocks, or however they would do it. And then he worked up to the superior court of the county and then to the appellate court. He made it all the way to the United States Supreme Court. He also presided at the Nuremberg trials. So it's a really fascinating study when you consider... That one element of the free state, just, I actually met a justice of the peace at the 12 National Convention of Libertarians. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's just for that alone, I would love to check out New Hampshire and find out how, how is this going, how does it work. And then all of a sudden, you know, I look and there's, you guys don't have many statutes. Well, the justices of the peace resolve a lot of disputes. <laughs> Ridiculous. You know, and when somebody is wrong, what is the first thing they do when they don't have the justice of the peace? Oh, we got to write a law. Okay, well, when you pass a law that's really general, you also impact people in other ways that you weren't anticipating. Yeah, I mean, some pieces are good. I, I grew up uh, in Pennsylvania, and we did have them, and I've, was in front of, I actually knew him fairly well as a friend of mine, but I had to go in front of him a few times over a few incidents. That, uh, and, it, you know, it's, it, they do resolve and make out, you know, say, let's take care of the situation rather than, you know, have to go through, uh, you know, a lot of other lawyers and, and court stuff. You have one guy that's just a calm guy. You know, he wasn't uh, a lawyer. He wasn't out of, you know, he was just elected by the people in the area. And he's, you know, he's in charge of that, you know, a few township area. And, 
he, he gets his ruling out as fair as he can. I mean, yeah, is there a corrupt one? Sure. In any kind of government, you're going to have that. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, getting back to what our founders wanted, it was more of a common law practice. And, you know, on the, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh amendment, they all do with, uh, common law. And that's what we need. We need more common law and people understanding the common law and bringing back common law drawers everywhere. There's a big movement there too with the National Liberty Alliance. Go to nationallibertyalliance.com and look it up. I have a question for you here. Um, can you define for me the common law in about two sentences, maybe three? Well, the common law basically, um, probably one of the best things is that you have a right to a trial by jury. Technically, nobody can be put in prison unless a trial of jury of his peers. Everybody's entitled to one. Most people, you know, we have almost 3 million people locked up in cages. Uh, but, you know, two, 2 million of them plea bargained their way in instead of taking it to a trial by jury. And a trial by jury is where your common law comes in. Common law basically is that Hey, you know, everybody has this right to a jury of his peers. And, you know, it came in through, you know, it developed over a 800-year period from the Magna Carta. And so uh, a good place to go is feature the Fully Informed Jury Association. They yeah, explain conferences. Yeah, yeah, now, uh, now, you're talking about Magna Carta. Which Magna Carta? 1215, well, yeah, well, the, well, actually, you know, I mean, it was a gradual thing where, you know, hey, if somebody's accused of a crime, they had a right to uh, a trial by jury of their peers. So that's the essence of common law. Nobody can be just taken by, I am dictator Obama, you are in prison for the rest of your life. It didn't work that way, you know, and they, they said, hey, you know, why it's, you going to imprison this guy? Let's have a trial. Let let his own peers decide if he is a threat to society, and that you know that's one way they overcame prohibition because people were you know getting arrested for you know uh, alcohol at the time, similar to marijuana today, and the jurors would say, no, this this guy's not a threat to society. They started using their conscience and voting in their conscience, and you know if you vote your con, you have the right to vote your conscience. Uh, Spooner's one of the best guys to read on it. He wrote for He was a jurist from the 1870s, 1880s. And he basically, you know, said that, you know, that's very uh, an important institution in the United States. Is, and the people really have to realize that, you know, hey, I am the most important vote there is because I protect our rights and I protect the rights of my fellow man. Anybody, the government can't put you in jail. It's only a door of your peers, because the ultimate government is we the people, and we the people yeah. are the jurors. And jurors rule. I got t-shirts that says they're real big, and we're all about jurors rule, and then, you know, go back to the thing. But that's basically where we're at. We, we are the uh, ultimate power of this country. Oh, absolutely. You know what Thomas Jefferson said about trial by jury? Yeah, he had a saying, something that uh, it, it's the only thing that can keep them bound to the uh, Constitution. Uh, the the government, uh, you know, from making bad laws or something like that. This is a letter Thomas Paine. Yeah, it's stunning. I, I've memorized this phrase. Uh, July second, seventeen, I believe, seventeen eighty nine. A letter to Thomas Paine, who was in France. This is what Thomas Jefferson yeah. said. I consider trial by jury as the only anchor 
every year yeah, and time now by which a government can be held to the principles of its constitution. Yeah. Uh, William I, Penn well, said, uh, why do we love this trial by jury? Because it keeps the hand of oppression from cutting you off. In this, I have comfort. As long as I have my being, my neighbors will protect me. Feeds is a really good group for that, learning more. But, of course, guys like me, when I talk about uh, jury, that, you know, if you know about jury notification, I get, th- I get pulled into a room with the judge, the defense, and the prosecutor, and I say pretty much everything I know. Well, law is on trial. This is that. The, fact. the facts to be decided. Chief Justice Harlan Stone, 1941, Sullivan v. Stewart, Ring v. Arizona, Duncan v. Louisiana, and they threw me off the jury. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with that because, you know, uh, they're not so much on common law here anymore. They're gone to maritime law. And uh, I have a good friend that's very deep into uh, the National Liberty Alliance and, and, and the Fija. And, you know, I've gone out with him and I've seen, I met Beckman and he, back in, when I was in Pennsylvania. And he's actually got his start of Fija back in you know, the early, mid-80s. But um, the fact of the matter is my one friend goes out to this one, uh, to Lake Mary, uh, and the courthouse and passed out all this information. Well, they actually arrested him, and it was he got arrested around the time of the Trayvon Martin case and for passing this out, and then they started putting a, a free speech zone out, which technically, you know, it's bullshit, but it was uh, Perry. The Perry was the guy that was involved in the Trayvon Martin um, jury trial against Zimmerman, and uh, my buddy ended up getting in jail for 100 days. And the campaign for liberty and freedom works. We had him in jail on the telephone talking to sixty or seventy activists. It was kind of cool, man. That was just a few years ago. Wow. What was his name? Because I know um, one guy, uh, Julian Hyken, is in Israel. Well, this guy, but uh, you know, he he basically Perry was the the judge in charge. Well, he's. And he does some talk radio stations now, he's retired since, but he was actually the uh, presiding judge over the uh, the Trayvon Martin case, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with. And um, basically, <laughs> my buddy, he was in jail, he was on the phone talking to and, uh, you know, like cheering on activists that were at a... Uh, little bar that was set up, you know, like the back section of it for our own group. It was pretty cool. Well, hey, uh, I'm, I'm back to this question uh, about common law. I guess, which, which common law are you, are you talking about? Because well, com- the common law is the fact that you have, the common law and the bill of rights, first off, you have a right to a trial by joining your peers. You have a right to due process. So those are just common laws that were, like, guaranteed by the Constitution. But, you know, I mean, if you get back into the common law, uh, how it worked for England, you know, it was kind of set up uh, differently for each, uh, you know, uh, sheriff's zone. And, you know, I don't know all the details that well and how they practice it, but I know that in the United States, you have a right to travel by your peers, which is functionally guaranteed by the fourth uh, or the sixth amendment and the sixth amendment says you know hey 
you have a right to, you know, a trial of your peers. And so, okay, well, those, let, me, let me give you some options here because there's a point I'm trying to make. No state can deny that. And, and the only way you can go to jail is 12 people. All 12 have to feel you're a threat to society. Right. Well, um, of course, there is uh, a common law system when uh, in 1066 and all in conquest, there's 1166, the Visa Clarendon, King Henry, and then you have um, other rights of the English, then you have writings, I mean, which, which, which common law, because Sir Edward Coke had extensive writings about the law. Uh, Blackstone, we go into the late 1700s, he had uh, a really good, or maybe maybe 1719 was when the common law was defined. Have you ever found anything like that? Um, I might have. You know, it's been a while since I read Spooner, and uh, Spooner, you know, I read him probably around when uh, I met Beckman in 87 or 88, and, um, you know, he was giving speeches on, you know, a feature of the Fully Informed Georgia Association. But um, as far as the actual years and stuff and, you know, exactly when it, how it all tied in together, I just realized that, you know, hey, a trial of Georgia your peers is, is much better and letting one judge or some dictator somewhere decide your fate. And um, yeah, I think... Yeah, well, the reason why, of course, your 1680 was the famous uh, um, Bushel's case. William Penn was uh, speaking out, facing the death sentence, and Bushel was one of the jurors who said, no, we ain't going to give him the death sentence. But um, the common law, I can define it in one long sentence. I found a document. It's dated 1719. Are you ready? Go ahead. And as the common law is nothing else but immemorial custom, and the custom and methods of trial and bringing offenders to punishment is no inconsiderable branch of the law. And since these, as other customs, are only to be collected from precedents, I'll read that last thing, and since these, as other customs, are only to be collected from precedence. This is a compiled um, in 1719 in England. This is called the Howells State Trials. In England, some attorneys got together and they went to libraries and they went to courts and they went to private attorneys and they compiled, uh, or they, they looked at hundreds and hundreds of cases. They picked the ones that were most significant and most relevant to the practices of the day and they compiled them and it's called the Howell trial. And Solomon was one of them, Mr. Solomon. He gave a preference to the first edition. Um, so 1719, he basically says, um, they, and since these, as other customs, are only to be collected from precedents. So the common law is basically case precedents. That's, that's what he wrote and introduced this whole thing with. And so that's, that's the common law. Yeah, and you know what? It's beautiful because who, who makes that wall? But the peers, you know, and this is the precedent was set in this case, this is the precedent set in this case, and it was founded on by the people. So it really gets down to the, you know, common, what it is, common law. And, you know, that is, you know, one of the essence of our liberty in city. You know, we're not letting some dictator tell us what to do. 
we're not going to let some dictator throw us in jail. It's got to be 12 of our peers. Unfortunately, we've lost the educated populace that we used to have. Um, maybe we can get it back. I mean, you know, there's always hope that we can, and it's up to us to educate them. Yeah, and the most important education, because when I got a jury summons, I called the local uh, California Fiji guy. He says, just shut up. Don't say a thing that you know anything whatsoever with jury notification. Otherwise, right. they will they will throw you off the jury. And even even if you're deliberating, <clears throat> you've seen these situations where all of a sudden somebody knows about jury notification, they're going to vote no. Well, another juror goes to the judge, and the judge comes in and says, you're out, alternative, you're in. So uh, the, the most important thing is to educate everybody, not just this is your power, but secondly, just shut up. Well, at least in California, don't say a thing, or they will kick you off the jury. That is jury tampering. That is the edge of tyranny. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that uh, it's going that way. Like I said... My friend was actually thrown in jail for passing out feeds of flyers. I mean, it's ridiculous what we've got to, you know, deal with. But, you know, I mean, uh, America's always had its problems. And it's always been battling liberty. But it still is the beacon of liberty for the world. And uh, it is because of the Bill of Rights, which entails sovereign law Jordan. Yeah, well, there, there was a reason why I asked if you could define the common law um, in a sentence, it's because a lot of these people that are in this common law movement, they can't define it. <laughs> even, I'm sorry, even the leaders, they can't define it. And then they're talking, oh, we're going to indict them with a grant. No, it's called a presentment. Look in Blackstone. It's a presentment. An indictment, is when, an indictment is when the government or a prosecutor brings a matter before the grand jury. A presentment is when the grand jury goes out on their own, does their own investigation, and, he pre and they present it to a judge, which they're both probable cause, by the way, which can induce an arrest warrant and then a trial. Um, I, I, just, I just find it interesting that some of these people don't know the definition, and it's right there beautifully uh, for us to find. 1790. Common law, Jordan. Yeah, I remember oh, that Howell, one. Now. Yeah, Howell's State Trials. And if you're like me, you start studying the cases, and you're reading them and reading them and reading them, and it's fascinating. In one, I found one case. I was after some grand jury information. In one case, there was a grand jury investigating something. Somebody said some bad things about the king. The king wanted to put him to death. The grand jury came out with ignoramus, which was the proper classical term, we call it a no true bill, but it's ignoramus. And in this, they they they, they had the actual uh, transcripts of the grand jury hearing, and the, the, several of the grand jury members. This is so exciting when I found this. Several of the grand jury members were just asking the questions. It was stunning. You know, none of this prosecutors in charge of the thing. It was independent, and they were all independently asking questions like they should. And they said, you know what? Ignoramus. We're not going to send him to trial and let the king put him to death, which is another form of uh, jury nullification, by the way, when the grand jury issues a ignoramus or no true bill. Well, that's good. The more we can nullify, the better we are. <laughs> you know, it's like nullification on the state's rights, 
on the jury rights, whichever way you can to nullify is to preserve liberty. Oh, absolutely. I'm on the same page with you there. I I, I say this to, to caution people that get into the common law too much because I have seen so many people lose. They've lost their homes. They've lost their kids. I have not seen a very... I have not seen a successful story using the common law approach. Now, if I was a judge, I'd say, look, I read Howell State Trial. This is a common law court because I do use case precedent and the customs established by the state. Yeah. And instead, they go off in this different direction and they make themselves look like idiots before the judge and then the judge just hammers them. Yeah, it's not my uh, thing that go out and try to... Uh, and I saw what happened to my friend. And to go out and try to um, fight the system in the system. The best way is to educate the populace first. And then that would naturally bring us back to common law. But if we don't have the common knowledge for the common man, then technically you don't have common law. So what we have to do is reintroduce common law to the common man. If we can't get that done, we really don't have common law. Common law is already in the courts. That's why I'm trying to tell you. It's case precedent. But if the if the common man doesn't know it, then the judge just you know skirts around it. That's what right. I'm saying. You know what and I did that, earlier today? That's why most of them go to jail and plea bargain and do all the other things because we don't have that knowledge to the common man anymore. Right. What I did today was quite stunning. I sent a letter to the California Attorney General because we have a terrible mess here in the district attorney's office. One of their underlings, a deputy district attorney, I know her personally. I was in a play with her a couple of years ago. Anyway, she totally, she basically kidnapped a kid. Now, the guy called him on it, called her on this. She went to probate court. You can't go to probate court to see the kid. But she was friends with CPS and everything else. She came up from the Bay Area. Obviously, you can understand her thinking, San Francisco, liberal as could be. Basically took this kid, kidnapped her. And the, and the uncle called her on this. This is filing a lawsuit, filed lawsuits, having hearings. Well, they threw him in jail, claiming that, oh, he molested her. Well, I saw the affidavits of the daughter's mother. I saw the affidavits from the daughter's grandmother. The four of them all lived together. And not only that, the mother found case law, we go back to the common law, case law from the 1970s. And today I serve that over to the attorney general. Because this is such a mess that, that they can't try it here. They're asking for a change in venue. We're supposed to have a hearing yesterday, but they postponed it, probably because an, eight, an attorney from the attorney general's office is coming up and look at this case. But it's like, how do you prevent a civil case from going forward. Oh, you throw the guy in jail. Well, his sister, the, the daughter's mother that was supposedly molested, she's the one that found this case for her brother to get him out. You know? It's like stunning, but it was, gentlemen, it was real precedent. Real, real quick, Kelly, I'm just looking at the time. I was doing some behind the scenes, uh, working on uh, some other guests here uh, to come onto the show. We only have about five minutes before I have to... Uh, close things out uh, for this, this evening. I appreciate uh, you guys coming to the show tonight and, uh, of course, contributions. We are looking forward to uh, having you on again. Uh, I believe if you check uh, your call logs, 
uh, Ed, you'll see my uh, phone number on there with the voicemail. If you could just uh, give that a listen, give me a call sometime uh, in the next couple of days. I do have something I'd like to, uh, to discuss with you. And uh, if you could just do that, if you can't reach me, just leave a voicemail and I'll get back to you as promptly as possible. So what we're going to do uh, is to uh, get ready to close things out. So each person takes about a minute. Uh, for any closing thoughts uh, for this evening, I want to uh, thank everyone listening to the show, whether it's here live tonight or through the podcast. Of course, definitely remember, folks, uh, to uh, share the link for tonight's show or uh, also on the podcast. If you can't find it, it's just uh, it's easy. Just Google Bard's Logic Political Talk, and it'll take you straight to uh, the homepage, uh, which you can find uh, all the different episodes, and you can also download uh, the show, or if you'd like to put it on uh, you know, the website, uh, there is uh, embedded codes as well, as we discussed earlier. Uh, so definitely uh, check that out and uh, spread the word with this uh, great show and, of course, with our guest tonight, Susan Nielsen. So let's go ahead, gentlemen, and take about that uh, one minute to give us some closing thoughts. And unfortunately, we have to just leave it to one minute, and then I'll have to close things out. First, uh, we'll start with you, Ed, and then you, Kelly, and then I'll have to close things out. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, it's always great to be on your side, Bart. Uh, you got, uh, I like how you do your pattern here and give everybody a voice. And, you know, that's what's important. Uh, people need to learn their liberties and they need to learn the Bill of Rights uh, inside and out. There's always more to learn and everybody can teach each other. And, you know, some people know certain aspects more than others. But, you know, sharing that knowledge and taking it to our hearts and then taking it to other people is what can really make a difference into uh, keeping the greatest thing that ever happened to the human race, the Bill of Rights, in the hearts and the minds of the people of America and showing that torch to the rest of the people in the world. So we got to go there. Uh, the Bill of Rights today, the Bill of Rights tomorrow, and the Bill of Rights forever. And don't forget those fought and gave their lives for it. Well, Thank you very much. We definitely look forward to hearing you back uh, on the show. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I just love having these conversations with people that study and value our liberties as written down by our founding fathers and many other good men in history. It's just really cool. And our guest tonight, I liked her too. And, uh, of course, Robert, I wonder if we put you asleep when we were talking about law and cases and history. And <laughs> No, I've actually, uh, as you know, working behind the scenes, I am working on getting some other guests here uh, on the show. As I mentioned last week, we'll have Christine Timmons. And then uh, on the 5th of the um, of August, which is coming up very soon, uh, we may or may not have a guest. I may have that uh, specifically as a pre-show for the debate that is going to be the next day. And so uh, we may or may not have a guest. If we do, it is going to be uh, surrounding a, a pre-show uh, for the upcoming debate. Uh, so we'll definitely have um, that discussion. So folks, uh, panelists uh, will also be prepared uh, to uh, discuss the different candidates, what we think uh, the debate is going to be like. We've already done a little bit of research on how the format uh, is going to be. Uh, I believe Fox is carrying it. It's going to be from... Uh, I believe 9 p.m. to 11 uh, for the top 10, uh, 10 candidates uh, in the polls. And then from 1 until 3 p.m. going to be, now this is on Thursday at 6, there's going to be some kind of uh, discussion with those who uh, are the other candidates, the other 10, I, I believe, 
uh, you were going to have a discussion. And so what I'll be doing is I'll be, and then the following week after that, we will have that uh, discussion uh, about the debate. Uh, so we'll be prepared for that. But unfortunately, gentlemen, uh, as this happens this time every Wednesday evening, uh, we'll have to close things out. And uh, looking forward to next week. And so, of course, as I do every night, is that is to Here end the Aubrey show. Ashburn. Here she comes. Here she comes. With Aubrey <laughs> Ashburn. That's right. And you can hear more of her music. And if you haven't gone to her website already, go there. Because you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubrey, and that's with a B, ashburn.com. So take care, folks, and have a good night and week, I should say. And we will see you next time. Take care and good night. Good night, Robert. Good night, folks. Thank you, Ellie. My bad. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.